Welcome back to the show. You're putting government money into a very volatile cryptocurrency. You want to explain why you're doing that? Sure. If I would have done it last year, I would have made 200 plus percent. So I would have looked like a genius. Uh, but we want to be one of the most crypto forward uh, and technological cities in the country. So we're looking at, number one, creating a, a regulatory framework uh, that makes us the easiest place in the United States to do uh, business if you're doing it in cryptocurrencies. Uh, we're looking at laws from uh, Wyoming, Wisconsin, and New York, a regulatory environment. And we have a tremendous amount of interest in tech right now. So we're looking at a variety of things from being able to make payments in crypto, uh, in Bitcoin in particular, uh, being able to pay your taxes, being able to pay fees to the city. And then yes, we are looking at the possibility of diversifying our investment portfolio and having and holding a percentage of our uh, investments in Bitcoin. Is this all part of your move to bring high-tech companies, big-tech companies to Miami? I, look, I know you've got good weather. I know you've got low taxes. Are you using a Bitcoin investment as a further inducement? It is. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the world is watching and, and the world is uh, always uh, seeing all the things that cities do. If you're inviting, um, that's something that uh, cities are benefit, benefiting from like, like we are. Uh, I want the creative and the innovative class to come here and create high paying jobs for my residents. And certainly there is a, an enormously large uh, crypto and Bitcoin community, uh, particularly, uh, you know, on social media. And they are carefully watching as these assets become more and more mainstream. Uh, the more that uh, organizations like the city of Miami and others uh, mainstream Bitcoin, there's only one direction uh, that the prices are gonna go because we know that the supply of money is limited. It's only gonna go up. Cheers, freaks. It's your boy, Matt O'Dell, here with a bottle of Mezcal and my two good friends, Open Oms and Evan Kaloudis, for episode number six of Citadel Dispatch. Uh, I want to welcome all the freaks that are here with us live um, for our new Tuesday, Bitcoin Tuesday tradition. Uh, it's always a pleasure uh, chilling with you guys. Uh, I know I enjoy it. I hope uh, the freaks joining us today are enjoying themselves. And I hope that Open Obs and Evan Kaloudis are enjoying themselves. Um, so to the freaks listening in, that was Miami Mayor Francis Suarez uh, pumping the corn for us on Fox Business. Uh, that's still pretty unreal to me. Um, that was a little bit less than a week ago, and it already feels like old news. Um, to the freaks joining us on the live stream, I have uh, the same price display I had on last week. Uh, on the top, we have the Evil Empire Coinbase Pro, which you can see has a large amount of liquidity. And then we have the good guys, BISC, underneath um, that's trucking through with their no KYC sad stacking. Um, so what's up, guys? I, I'm i really excited to have this conversation. I think there's a lot of important things we can talk about here. Um, 
primarily. I mean, I want to do a heavy focus on lightning, but I think we're going to be all over the place. And I'm, I'm pretty, I, I couldn't, couldn't pick a better pair to do this with. Uh, the freaks might realize that Evan is, is our first return guest here on Citadel Dispatch, only six episodes in. He was, he was in the first episode. Um, so, I mean, let's just start. I mean, Evan, Evan doesn't need an introduction. He already had one. Thanks for being here, Evan. Yeah, freaks. Uh, I'm, I'm so pumped to be back. You know, it, it's great. You know, Bitcoin Tuesday is becoming a great tradition. So, um, yeah, I'm just happy to get into it. Thanks for having me back, Ben. Fuck yes. Sorry for cutting you off there. <laughs> no I'm jumping into it. Time is money. Um, and then we have Open Arms here. Open Arms is a fucking legend. He's a friend. Uh, he's been doing a lot in the Bitcoin hardware space. Uh, with his work with the Raspberry Blitz project and Joininbox, um, and he's been very focused on privacy. Uh, what's up, Open Arms? Hey, hello! Very, very happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, being here live, you know, it's a big thing. I do, I do a pop. Oops, I don't know how that went. So <laughs> that was a great pop. That sounded great. This, yeah, this it's better than my week at pop. <laughs> So the, the the thing is that middle of the lockdowns, you know, I managed to get this thing right from the factory in from a Portuguese island in Madeira last month, end of December. So, you know, pretty um, proud of that. Um, so, you know, happy to share that with you guys. Otherwise, who wouldn't know me, I'm from 20, Bitcoin generation 2017. Uh, I've been like coming head first into it into lightning basically and then being focusing on on security which is the, the privacy i realized the privacy is the huge part of security so basically i i just went down on the rango uh quite hard learning pro programming I, I cannot say that I, it's not in the past it's I, i'm i'm learning continuously trying to publish as many things as i can as i learn them and uh, make it available for others and um, yes very, very uh, all the other privacy tools and yeah would like to you know like, yeah. just show us the questions um yeah well cheers uh i uh i wanted to start um with this <laughs> with this idea, sorry, I got a little bit sidetracked. Um, I wanted to start with Lightning. Um, and there's been a lot of discussion lately with Lightning uh, with regard to uh, private channels versus public channels. Um, and I think like people are a bit confused here. I, uh, I People are confused on all sides, uh, whether that's a, a Bitcoiner or like a, a Bitcoin cheerleader or a Bitcoin denier or like a Lightning pragmatist. Um, I feel like there's very few in the room that kind of see what's going on here, see, you know, how this is developing. And I think you two guys are are kind of on the front lines there, um, along with me to a degree. Um, so, I mean, so my my feeling that I think people are missing is 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 that we basically have two different lightning networks that are forming. And there's like it's almost two separate theses. Like we we have this private channel network that is appears to be emerging in the background that that appears to be emerging you know with the strikes of the world and and like all the major exchanges Bitfinex you know maybe Coinbase eventually in like five years who the fuck knows with them 
uh, but like Kraken, Bitstamp, where they have these massive private channels to basically allow traders to, they don't have it yet, but this idea that they have these massive private channels that allow traders to move between their platforms uh, for low fees, uh, pretty much instantly. Low fees, very quick. Um, and they don't actually go through any routing nodes or anything. They're completely, that's completely unaffected by the public lightning network. The the lightning network that a self-sovereign Bitcoin user that never interacts with exchanges might might deal with. Um, and it has a completely different trade-off balance. It's a completely different product. It's a completely different network. And I almost see that as like a guarantee. Like I think that technology makes a lot of sense to me. You have like these semi-trusted relationships between exchanges. They're using this trust-minimized protocol to balance out their their transfers between themselves. I think that could be successful while the broader lightning network, the public lightning network, the self-sovereign lightning network that someone like us would connect to to make a P2P payment um, could could fail and, and the private lightning network could be a success. Um, I was curious what your thoughts are here. Um, I, I guess let's start with Evan. Yeah, sure thing. So um, as you guys know, there's a pretty big distinction between having a public channel and a private channel. And uh, right now, I think the biggest difference is uh, between, you know, finding your routes and, um, you know, what the what the goal of that channel exactly is nowadays. So as far as it goes, like when you're running a node, you really need to keep in mind, like, what are you trying to optimize for at the moment? So are you trying to um, you know, make these transactions and have them, you know, your personal transactions and have them as private as possible, have them only pertaining to the parties, um, you know, that, that need to know about it. Or are you trying to run like a bigger operation? Are, are you trying to, um, you know, profit off of being a man in the middle of sorts and routing payments from hop A to hop B? and making money off the fees. So depending on, you know, what what your goal is and running that lightning node, you're definitely going to have a different structure of how your channels are laid out and whether they're public or private. Um, you know, furthermore, you got to be strategic in um, who you're opening channels with and, um, you know, who those county, who those counterparties are. And uh, furthermore, like, you know, the quality of that liquidity, like, um, you know, not all, not every channel is going to, you know, ha have the same value to you. It's going to depend a lot about like your flows, what your kind of usage of the network is, is it personal use or um, what are, if you're a service, what your users are using. There's like a whole lot of nuance to that. Uh, and then furthermore, um, we have, to take into consideration like how uh, pathfinding is done. Now is in the, like the present system pretty much like your node is like uh, pulling the graph of all the lightning nodes and asking each one like who they have a connection to and sort of like calculating itself on the fly. And as the protocol develops and matures, there's gonna be like uh, more advanced methods of doing that pathfinding. You're going to be able to like have a third party do that pathfinding for you. You're going to, um, you know, there's going to be new methods of making payments like rendezvous payments where you can make a payment to someone without even knowing 
Uh, okay, Evan. I okay. love you. I love you, Evan. But I think this is the issue why this conversation never it never hits. Like I I try and the goal with Citadel Dispatch is to try and make it more actionable, right? And mm -hmm. um, I'm excited about all these different things that we're going to see with Lightning. But the key I want to make here is this distinction. Okay. Right. This distinction that we've we've heard this argument with Liquid. Right, with this argument with Liquid uh, by Blockstream, the sidechain, this federated sidechain, that the main use case is for traders, which is not us. And the three of us, it's we're not the use case for Liquid. That traders are going to trade between exchanges um, to do arbitrage and shit. And time matters and fees matter uh, for those people. They want it to be fucking instant. Um, and that's why Liquid has their one minute confirmation times. Mm -hmm. Private Lightning Network usage. These massive private channels that are going between exchanges is that use case, but better. Am I right or am I wrong? I don't know exactly. It's gonna. I could see a future where LN actually is the P to P network that we're using personally amongst the plebs, and you know LN could potentially. Uh, also be that pipe between the exchanges but you know i think there's also going to be a battle there between liquid because like let's say for example you have like an arbitrage trader right and they have enough liquidity on the exchange they might find an arbitrage opportunity right and end up emptying out like the pipe to that you have between those two exchanges um like to to make the the maximum return on their arbitrage so like ln could potentially uh, see some complexities there where, you know, the big dogs are like emptying out those pipes. It becomes a different ball game though, when there's multiple routes between the exchanges though. And that's where things get really complex. So to say that things are going to go definitively one way or another right now is really hard to say. And I think we're going to see that play out over the next two years. I mean, look, we're in the business of taking away the nuance and making definitive, concise claims. Uh, <laughs> because that's what gets engagement, but also I think that's what's productive. Um, but I mean, I, from my perspective, like I don't think that, uh, and obviously none of us have a crystal ball, so we're making predictions, right? But I, I, I don't think this idea of like multiple chat, like multiple routes between exchanges will be a reality. I think, you know, if you're Bitfinex, you're just gonna have, you know, a, a $50 million, $100 million channel, um, with with your you know the other large exchanges and you'll have it direct with them you won't have any routing nodes in your way um you won't have any fees bes besides just you and that other exchange so you guys can agree to just no fees um and you have like a semi-trusted relationship already um so why would you ever end up going to a routing node that's different than if they offer withdrawals um that i think that's a separate product like i see exchanges offering these private lightning for traders before they offer actual lightning withdrawals i think it's a completely different use case and then i i see people um like our friend grubles on twitter talking about the negative of lightning being the liquidity issues um i don't like li liquid has those same issues like am i wrong open arms like how like how like if i want to send if, if an exchange think, needs to send 20 Bitcoin on liquid to another exchange, like they need to have 20 Bitcoin in liquid pegged in already. Yeah, yes. And then, I mean, now we are speaking about actionable things and you know, we are speaking about exchanges, which I'm not very interested in. But in any way, uh, the big, biggest difference between liquid and lightning that, that lightning channel 
by the way, it can be based on liquid as well. It is a payment yeah. channel. So the the traffic is bidirectional and the whereas with liquid, you're just showing the things back and forth. The, with Bitcoin main base layer is slightly quicker and um, cheaper. Uh, so, and, but still, it would be kind of the instead of the end of the day settlement or end of every hour <coughs> settlement, you you would use liquid instead of instead of uh, the base. I mean, right? But for Lightning, you would you would just throw things around with the speed of Lightning, right? So as as traders move from here to there. Uh, arbitraging that little opportunities where you know they make a set there, another set to shit there, uh, and and that as you say there will be no routing nodes in between the exchanges obviously, and every like major node will have direct channels between them where the transaction is free and quick and also reliable. Whereas there are users, so, so from, from the point of view of the user. Why would I want to? Why would someone want to use a, a private channel? Well, it's for basically privacy reasons. Mm -hmm. That you have, if you have a private channel only, you don't want to be a routing node because you are exposing yourself to not only privacy risk, but you know, people for people are forwarding HDRCs on you. They fail. The, the channel gets forced closed. You get in incurred costs, and there is a risk involved with that. Uh, the risk of not losing the money from the channel, but to lose the price of the on-chain on -chain settlement, which can be high, just like uh, nowadays we see that. You open a private channel, or even better, your exchange, let it be Strike, for example, the, the biggest example, mm -hmm. uh, opens a private channel to you. And what you do? You are doing your DCA. You are uh, stacking sets, so say. Okay, mm -hmm. so uh, or every week you 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 buy. You know, you do, and then you also you know pay your coffee or 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 you know go for a meet up with friends and share the cost of the meal or things like that. So but the directional flow of the of the sets is 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 two way, but you don't need routing. And then when you have, you know, two thousand pounds worth or two thousand dollars worth built up on that uh, uh, channel, so it's always it's almost full. And I don't even want to speak in fiat. You have like two million built up, two million mm -hmm. sets built up on that channel, so it's almost full because it's 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 a limited size because it's only was three three million which the exchange opened to you. You would just swap it out, swap it out to cold storage. Swap it out with a with a third party uh, provider, with who is providing you great privacy because there is no on chain uh, kind of where that UTXO came from, which then goes into your cold storage, or you can uh, you know put it through Whirlpool if you can. <laughs> um, you're breaking up a little bit over there, Open Ops, just for whatever it's worth. Uh, okay. I don't know if you can do anything on your side, but. We're willing to deal with it because we appreciate you so much. Uh, but I just wanted you to know that. I mean, I, I think you kind of, you got lost in the weeds a little bit again on me. Uh, this is what, you know, this is kind of what I'm saying. Like, I don't, 
I wanted to you hit like two points you hit multiple points there and 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 my point is is that lightning can be a massive success on the private exchange side just as private channels um and that means absolutely shit all for the average user um if they're not a trader uh and that's fine it is what it is it's just a different uh use case uh, a completely different separate use case and so when someone says like oh but there's really these massive private channels um, which I am guilty of as well. I sent out a tweet. I was like, massive private channels between exchanges. That doesn't mean that it has any effect. It's completely unrelated, really, to the public Lightning Network. In this respect, those private channels, not all private channels. Some private channels matter, but not not those. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's a complete difference as far as you know the, the two go really i mean we have complete insight into the public channels and they all get graphed on graph explorers like one ml and you know all the private channels are pretty much a black hole until you know you get some insight into one by using it or getting like routing hints from someone so it's hard to even you know quantify what's going on there or really get an insight we can only make educated guess as to what that volume looks like um, and then the other thing is, I, I saw open. We appreciate you backing out and coming back in. Hopefully that helped. Um, you know, the other the other thing here is, you know, Stefan. We have Stefan Lavera in uh, the comments section. Uh, appreciate all of you in the comments, uh, the live comments. The show wouldn't be the same without you. I'm saying Liquid doesn't have quite the same issues, in my opinion. Um, we have 6102 saying that Liquid has a different security model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, um, it does, and. But to exchanges, I think, you know, some of those issues, I think some of the issues are similar. Um, I think the liquidity issue is something that um, liquid proponents, you know, aren't, it's not as effective argument as they think it is, um, because I do think the liquidity issue is an issue on 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 liquid, um, you know, in these larger situations where you're sending large amounts. Um, the other thing is, uh, I mean, with Liquid, you have different risk, right? You have this risk that you're trusting this multi-sig, uh, this federated multi-sig. Um, those, those, you know, they're, they're running on HSMs, but it's also hot, just like with, with Lightning. But with yeah. Lightning, you know, a, a Lightning relationship can emerge between Strike and Cash App uh, without any conversation with any other party. They can just simply use the Lightning protocol right now to create a trust minimized payment channel between the two of them, not tell anybody about it except traders that want to switch between the platforms mm-hmm. and they're ready to go. They don't have any third parties that are involved in that process. And I think that alone, that reduced regulatory risk, that reduced third party risk for these exchanges makes it a night and day improvement over, over using liquid in that situation. And maybe liquid made more sense for these last three years, you know, as like a stopgap while lightning got ready and got, got more prepared, but like we didn't have fees and, and it, it, they, they missed their, they missed their opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of the the equation too. I mean, you're doing on-chain transactions to get into liquid to begin with. So in that regard, they're very similar, I would say. 6102 has asked me, why do I care about exchange liquidity and inter-exchange settlement? That's the point. I don't. 
Exactly. And but it's happening, but it's just unrelated, and just it's something that's but, happening. But, but like people shouldn't. You, it doesn't. Everything doesn't have to be like bullish for you know average Bitcoin users. But I, I think it is important in a lot of ways. Like think about it. Like the price differences on exchanges, right? Like the 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 swings right there can create a lot of volatility. Once you're able to go from one exchange to another, right? And it doesn't take like an hour of doing the trade and waiting for blocks to confirm. And it's just like happens in a couple of minutes, if not seconds, you know, you're going to get much more price stability. So I think to the greater ecosystem, it is pretty important. I mean, maybe the average user doesn't exactly care about the average exchanges flows, but it's going to have a positive effect if you can make that jump as far as arbitrage goes, uh, a quicker process. And I think we'll all benefit. Yeah, it, it contributes to better price stability between between jur jurisdictions. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's about it, really. But it only it only really helps if if you have like a tether or something on the opposite side. Um, like, I, I feel like, you know, the 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 arbitration, the arbitrage friction is not you know the 10 minute bitcoin confirmation times uh first transferring bitcoin between the exchanges i mean it is to a degree but the fiat transfer is, is harder anyway we're getting into the nuances here um <laughs> i'm not sure if it really matters what there are a lot of nuances with the ln i mean you know how deep into the weeds do you want to get mad i mean if we can go in you explain onion routing like we can get really really nuanced as far as uh, you know, liquidity, privacy, all these things go. So, okay, Stefan's coming in hard. It matters, guys. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It's it's good to have pr price. You know, better price discovery across the world is what we want ultimately. Um, mm -hmm. We want the world to be priced in Sats, and you're not going to get that without better infrastructure. Uh, yeah, I, will it allow us to to store less Bitcoin on exchanges overall? So if it can flow better, then we have you know, less is enough. So people can trade with less, uh, which is the trend, luckily, nowadays. One of my favorites is, is you know, like Adam Bach is like a fucking crypto <laughs> legend, cryptographer legend. Uh, and like, he loves arbitrage. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> he's like, he's like constantly tweeting about how he's like sent, you know, he, he, he used an arbitrage opportunity to make a little spread. I just, I don't know random um he's manipulating market is he yeah i i so so yeah let's jump into that yeah you said okay so first of all um we saw you know this is a little bit not bitcoin but fuck it uh we saw the whole gamestop thing you know go crazy today um with yeah. reddit traders pushing gamestop price up um in my opinion uh, in a true free market, there's no such thing as manipulation. Agree or disagree? Start with you, Evan. Um, I, I I agree in one way, in one sense of it. Um, I would say, generally speaking, um, you know, all trades really happen with some information asymmetry, right? Like knowing, having some sort of inside knowledge of what's going on. Otherwise, you're just gambling, right? Or, you know, just just making a, a guess as to where things are going to go. Um, what's really interesting about uh, this GameStop thing is just like how it's coordinated 
and how like, you know, just these average traders on, on what is it? Wall Street bets on Reddit have coordinated such a big thing that's like really crushing so many hedge funds. <laughs> and it's like it's going to has so much like potential to like just wreck this industry. Like hedge funds can like end up getting wrecked just by some like Internet posters. Like, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the repercussions of this thing play out. It's sort of nuts when you think about it. Well, it's not just that because, I mean, there's, the, there's uh, you know, Robinhood, the way Robinhood makes their money is they sell their flows uh, to other hedge funds. Um, so it's not just Redditors uh, that are wrecking opposing short selling hedge funds. It's also the hedge funds that are using Redditors flow to to front run them and blow them up at the same time. <laughs> but my point is all is fair. All is fair in love, war and, and free markets. Like the, the world that we're going to, um, you know, in a proper free market, in a proper place where you can trade uh, privately without KYC, globally, without friction, um, where, you know, the EMH proponents win and every little thing is priced in appropriately. There's no such thing as insider trading. There's no such thing as manipulation. It is a profit opportunity that is taken and it shows itself on the market. Yeah, this thing is not going away and it's going to only increase over time. It's going to get nuttier and it's something you're not going to be able to regulate away. So, you know, if you block one venue for this to happen on, you know, so some is going to appear in, in another, you know, and, and as we're seeing like these stocks become like, you know, uh, tokenized, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be really hard to, to work around this. So. And OpenOM's covered this today. He's, you know, he mentioned uh, on Twitter. You mentioned that in the Netherlands, um, the KYC is getting worse, particularly for Bitstamp users. Um, and you said that they should, you know, people should use BISC and people should use HODL HODL. I mean, OpenOM's like, what do you have to say to the people who would tell you that without KYC, um, wash trading is is very easy to do, and insider trading is very easy to do, and market manipulation is very easy to do. Well, and it is difficult with KYC, you mean? I'm saying, you know, KYC is what stops those things from happening, they would say. Am I am I wrong? Like, that's like, without KYC, if you don't know who the market participants are, like, how do you enforce any of this stuff? Well, you know, I tried gambling. I, I <laughs> didn't really try uh, trading, to be honest. You know, this is, I mean, looking at the stock market as well, it, it looks like the end of 2017 in, in crypto, you know, in quotes, um, you know, that, that, that's the peak. I mean, KYC, I mean, what do we want to achieve here? I mean, you want to KYC the traders? I mean, mm -hmm. let it be. But to... No, for me I want to you to shield convert... no KYC to the freaks, open arms. Yeah, that's no, what I want you to do. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, BISC liquidity, like I'm looking at the numbers right now, and, and those are rookie numbers. we got to pump them up. Yeah, but what I think that... KYC is outright harmful for people who just want to convert one thing to another, right? There is, there is no point to to buy something. Like I just found out a couple of days ago that if I need to now after Brexit from the UK, I need to send the package to the EU. It's they need to know the passport number of the person who actually imports the the even a gift, right? What? Well, 
I mean, this is the same stupidity, right? If I, if, I, if, if I send him money and want to take Bitcoin out, why would you need to know why, who I am, you know? What is the purpose of that? There is no, it's not for to stop wash trading, but I'm not going back ever again, you know? So absolutely, I mean, the way is as listed in that, in that tweet, there is the non-custodial KYC platforms like BISC, which is, you know the absolute best you need to you need to go trade there and you know even if you if you're trading with friends or like friends who you don't trust that much you can use their system to to make sure everything goes as planned and then holder holder is quite the same i mean it, it takes a bit more um it's it is more centralized and takes more to get used to their system but it, it it's a proper escrow system it, it it is quite nice as well but then you know sell things work for bitcoin earn it and obviously mine it right then you are paying for electricity getting bitcoin and these are the way for the small people i mean i'm not in the world of you know uh, big traders i i leave that to adam beck <laughs> our pro trader yeah. um i uh, i you know i hate saying this but but uh to the freaks out there consider liking subscribing sharing it goes a long way we appreciate you um don't get used to me saying that because i vomit in my mouth a little bit while i say it um i look i i think you know i i'm a weirdo a little bit because i i guess i'm i'm known for you know, trying to increase solid, you know, dollar cost averaging, conservative, no KYC, saving for the future, uh, you know, long, you know, low time preference thinking. Um, but at the same time, I fucking love gambling. And I, I and, I, you know, the concept of trading, I love the concept of trading, even though I know that I would get wrecked and most people get wrecked mm -hmm. um, if they do it, um, because. And this is why I love the concept of, of sat stacking, just in general, just investing um, or saving for your future. It's skin in the game. This idea of skin in the game, like we live in a world where engagement numbers are easy to, to fake, um, where like every metric is fakeable. It's like a post-truth world, people say. But at the end of the day, if, if you put your money where your mouth is, and now we have actually good money to do that with, sats, um, mm -hmm there's a there's a winner and there's a loser there's someone that was right and someone that was wrong we don't have to argue for years and you know endlessly and come to no conclusion um you know like if if you decided to hold eth at the top of the 2017 bubble instead of bitcoin you have way less sats today and mm -hmm. that is definitive it is objective um and there's there's a beauty to it well there's ETH and there is usd and you know british pound and euros and my favorite one now is the Chrysler building, which keeps going down in Bitcoin value. <laughs> um, so on another hot topic uh, that no one seems to be talking about, I'm going to switch it again. And by the way, when we leave topics, we'll come back to those topics. I just want to keep the ball rolling. Um, like like to have fun with this um, and keep hitting us with if you hit us with questions and stuff in the chat. You know, maybe we don't hit it right away, but we we, we will come back to it if we can. Um, we'll so just keep hitting us with stuff in the chat. What? I saw some Zeus questions. We'll circle back to those. 
Yeah, hundred percent. We'll circle back to Zeus. I love Zeus. Uh, I love that we finally got Tor integrated. Fuck yes, super excited. But we'll get back to that. Before then, um, right now Coinbase, the Evil Empire, they're on the top of the ticker. If you're watching the live stream, um, trading at about thirty-two thousand dollars right now. Largest exchange in the world. Um, maybe not by volume because we go back to to fakeable metrics, and you know you can fake those metrics, especially if you don't have KYC and you do wash trading. Um, which is fine by me, you know, all is fair. Uh, Coinbase is the largest exchange in the world by number of Bitcoin they hold. That's an objective measurement. We know they have about 800,000 Bitcoin. What isn't talked about is their custody side, which is way larger than that. We know that GBTC, the fake ETF that is traded uh, and run by Grayscale uh, Digital Currency Group, which is Barry Silbert's company, uh, the parent company of Coindesk, um, has over 650,000 Bitcoin. And guess who they custody it with? They custody it with Coinbase. And no one really talks about this. When you, when you share those exchange balance charts that are going down, um, they don't include that custody number. And I'm guilty of this too. I've, I've, I've posted that glass note chart saying, look how bullish this is. All the coins are leaving exchanges. Um, they're leaving exchanges and a lot of them are going into regulated custodians. The number one being fucking Coinbase. So um, to the freaks out there that may be concerned about this, you know, we have over uh, we, we have over like one and a half million Bitcoin at least are being custodied by Coinbase. Uh, why or why not should this be a concern? We'll start with Evan. Um, well, on one hand, uh, you know, any centralized party having a lot of share over something isn't really not good for the genie of a coin, right? Uh, however, we don't have the same concerns that we would have uh, with, say, a coin that's based on staking and uh, and this shareholder be ha having like such a heavy weight as far as like voting on different features or whatnot goes. So on one hand, you'd like to see uh, them to be custodying less, but our network doesn't have the same issues that some of these new tokens and new schemes uh, do as far as the POS stuff goes. So it's a bit of a mixed bag, obviously. Um, but, you know, we just got to keep encouraging people to, you know, take custody whenever possible. And, uh, you know, it, the biggest part of this is education. Obviously, you know, there's going to be some people who do want a custodian, but like, you know, the, the people that are listening to this show obviously are going to be taking control of their keys, not your keys, not your coin, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Not, so not your keys, not your coins and mm -hmm. not your notes, not your rules. You know, they can fork away. They can manipulate the fork as well as, as we have seen that happening. Also, I mean, there are a couple of properties of Bitcoin. I mean, it depends which one uh, people came for. I mean, everyone likes like number go up. Okay, that happens on Coinbase as well, it, except when Bitcoin cash pumps rather instead. Mm -hmm. um, but the Bitcoin which you hold in an, on an exchange is not unconfiscatable and it is not censorship resistance. And if you came for that properties, then you have nothing to do with exchanges and you should just never even touch any custody or exchange or wallet 
or however you call it, or hosted once either. Yeah, I, I think like the big problem that we face, I think it's not even just with Bitcoin, but I think in general, our society is like people really just value convenience so much more than like, you know, uh, sovereignty or, or privacy. And, and I, I think we all struggle with that, you know, like we, we're all still carrying a cell phone around on our day to day. Right. But the thing is with Bitcoin, the cost, Google there. yeah, yeah, the, the ease, yeah, the the ease of being able to to take control of it is so low that you should consider it, you know. And like you know, some something like like BISC too, right? Where you don't have to deal with that KYC. Like people are still going to the big exchanges because they have the convenience of their buys being so per so uh, so easy, you know, not having to worry about going through all these different payment methods. But, you know, you're really not going to regret, ha have these regrets about using these like KYC places or keeping your stuff into custody until it's too late, until that information is used against you, until you sign into the exchange and they say you can't access your coins, until you go to your bank and they say you can't withdraw your money. So, you know, it, it's hard to, to relay the, the problems and the risk to people. If, if they haven't experienced them firsthand, you know, especially if they're in like a Western country that, that hasn't undergone stuff like, you know, like, like haircuts to their deposits or, or had issues where with the laws pertaining to Bitcoin have changed. So, um, you know, like, like I said, education is, is a huge part of it. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, I go mean ahead. To, to sum it up, I mean, I, I think both, I think all of us agree here that uh if if you have if you have your your bitcoin with coinbase or gbtc or Robinhood um or on any exchange you know our the sponsor of of tales from the crypt uh cash <laughs> app um it you don't own bitcoin you own an iou and uh you learn very quickly in a bad situation that that bitcoin is not yours um and you're you're missing out because bitcoin gives you the ability to actually hold your own wealth and control your own wealth um and to maintain your sovereignty and and you should exert that that op that option to you um you you should practice that option and if you don't um i that's fine you know that option is 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 open to you but uh i think you're being a chump if you do that um as as far as coinbase is concerned i don't think it's really that much of a threat for bitcoin at the end of the day does it really matter if if barry silbert is self-custodying versus coinbase it's probably the same threat model right with the U.S. government, oh yeah, um, you're talking about the government for sure. I mean, you think it's the same idea, right? It's like whatever. Stand up for you <laughs> if Uncle Sam comes knocking. No fucking way. So, so what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen there is like they, I guess they could market sell those Bitcoin, but they'd be idiots. Um, yeah. Or I, I guess it's a honeypot where you you could have like a, a single hacker could could fuck them. But I I think at this point they've learned their lesson. They're professionals. Uh, they probably. They probably have that cold storage down pretty well for everyone except the U.S. government, right? So like the U.S. government could come in. Um, sixty-one hundred two, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sixty-one hundred two. I mean, they don't even have to sixty-one hundred two it. Those coins are already sixty-one hundred two. <laughs> you, you you just need socialism, right? Yeah, exactly. You could just tax the shit out of those coins if you wanted to, but they're already sixty-one hundred two. They're already basically controlled by government um, officials just via via a corporate partnership. Yeah, they're um, not IOUs. 
On a positive note, we have uh, Randy McMillan in the chat mentioned that um, one of our representatives in the U.S. government, Patrick McHenry, um, has posted the Bitcoin white paper on his government website um, on mchenry.house.gov slash bitcoin.pdf. Um, <laughs> to see Craig try to sue him. <laughs> which is pretty unreal. Uh, and I think kind of is a good time to bring up this conversation, right? So so recently we had fake so Satoshi, uh, CSW, uh, longtime fraud, uh, go after our Bitcoin developers, specifically Bitcoin.org uh, and BitcoinCore.org and try and get them to remove uh, the Bitcoin white paper. But I believe there's other attacks happening um, you know, bitcoincore.org quickly removed the white paper from their website. Um, bitcoin.org decided to stand the line. And since then, we've had a Streisand effect where all these people have come in and posted the Bitcoin white paper on their respective websites, ultimately with Patrick McHenry here posting it on the house.gov website just now. Um, so so um, we have Hamish in the in the chat saying, please don't feed the trolls. Absolutely. I prefer not to talk about them, but it is, you know, they, they forced our hand here. Uh, how do we feel about this? How do we feel about Bitcoin uh, core.org removing it from the website? How do we feel about the community response? Where do you guys stand on this? Uh, so this is this is a tricky one. Um, you know, uh, on one hand, it's not great to see the core devs cave to a patent troll like this after, you know, very little discussion too. I believe the pull request to remove it from the core website got merged in after, you know, just three acts and probably about two hours of discussion and posts. So on one hand, that wasn't so encouraging to, to see. But on the other hand, you also don't want the, these people that are doing important work as far as core goes, you know, just going to court and, and dealing with these idiots. Um, you know, we have more important battles ahead of us. Like we, we need to get Schnorr and Taproot merged in. And I'd really like to see that happen this year. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a bit of a wash there, but... Um, you know, it's just very encouraging to see the community just all step up and, you know, host it. Um, I think the funniest one was uh, Umbrel creating an app where you could host a copy of the white paper off your Umbrel node in their app store. I thought that was great. So, you know, um, this community really thrives when we show our strength in numbers. And that was like a really positive and encouraging thing to see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously this. <laughs> Craig guy is an absolute fraud, but, uh, you know, we're, we're still going to have to deal um, with his actions for a bit longer. But, you know, when we act together like we did and, you know, we saw countless people upload the white paper, you know, we're stronger and we're all better off for it. Yeah, I, th I think it's it's absolutely meaningless, you know, what these centralized websites show. You know, Bitcoin Core Org is not the Bitcoin Core code. It doesn't matter what's on it until it is reliable source of the Bitcoin core binaries. But even those we should take from torrents. We should check the signatures. We should check the hashes. Um, everyone who is running a Bitcoin full node has a copy with himself there on the on the blockchain. So just run a node. You have the white paper with 
the right people are there. Uh, you know, I, I think it's just uh, it's exactly achieved what he wanted to do, that he got publicity and, uh, you know, a bit of fud or something, selling more BSV. Uh, I think it's, it is meaningless. Well, so I would push back on meaningless. I think it's a perfect teaching moment. Um, I think I think this is why we're here, right? Uh, this idea that if you have it on a centralized website, uh, if you have a centralized actor that you can pressure through legal bullshit, through all this other bullshit, um, then you'll probably be successful. The beauty of Bitcoin, the beauty of distributed networks, distributed systems, is that it's not hosted in one place. Yeah, uh, exactly. That you can't squash it easily, right? Yeah, and anti-fragile, exactly. So, you know, from this, what came to be is, is the best which came to be is that uh, the proposal or the kind of blog entry of uh, Vladimir Wanderlan, the lead Bitcoin uh, maintainer, um, repository maintainer, that which is pushing for the decentralization of the, of the hosting apparatus, you know, putting more emphasis on the torrents. And, I mean, you know, he was looking into IPFS and things like that, which is just torrents with the dns um and that is actually good we should do that even without getting you know pressure from these things and we get these kind of small pressure from this kind of uh, clown actor and then you know we are ready when there are real threats yeah absolutely because this is going to be like a, a fucking walk in the park compared to what we have coming to us in the years to come, I, I think, at least from my opinion. So, you know, if we can't handle this properly, we're going to be, you know, ill-equipped to deal with actual big state actor threats. And, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, sorry, you brought up Vladimir and, uh, you know, I just want to tip my hat to him. You know, he's done such an amazing job as the maintainer of core. And, uh, you know, to see his, uh, his blog, to see that he's, he's stepping back, you know, um, you know, obviously I, I'm going to be sad to see him go because he's given us so much, but it's ultimately going to be for the good of the project to further, um, work to decentralize this thing and make it even more resilient. So, and on that note, I'd really like to see some of the other, uh, implementations of bitcoin get some more love like let's give bitcoin not some some love because you know yeah and i like to pet a unicorn <laughs> uh not and and what's the other one <laughs> btcd to go yeah is another one uh there, there's one other pretty big one but regardless <laughs> even even besides like the maintainers getting targeted it, it's good to just have more diversity in the ecosystem uh, in case like a bug comes up and you know ends up wiping off like a majority of the network because like think about it because like most bitcoin nodes out there are running core and i don't think that's uh, a good thing yeah but i mean i don't think you can get to any kind of sizable i i don't i don't, I don't know i don't i don't know if that i think running older older versions of core kind of solves the same same threat model without without the hopium involved with having, you know, multiple, uh, you know, well-maintained clients. I, I think, I think a major argument here for NIMS as developers is huge. You know, like I have a yeah. ton of respect for Vladimir and, and everything he's done and he's put in his time and I respect him walking away and hopefully, you know, he comes back as a NIM or maybe he's already been contributing as a NIM and we don't even know. 
Um, and that gives you some some extra protection there, right? Um, SMS, if I'm not running core, <laughs> what do I run? Uh, I do still run core. I, I love core and all they've done, but uh, I've been poking around and messing with NOS a little bit. Um, so hoping to change it up a little bit with my nodes. Uh, I really would like to see some of these uh, pre-built node solutions like uh, like our Noddle, our MyNode, our Umbrel, our Raspi Blitz uh, potentially, you know, to offer up other options. But, you know, there's also a cost in maintaining that. So, you know. Like that. Yeah, see, uh, for, open for, you're heavy in Raspi Blitz. What are your thoughts here? Why doesn't Raspi Blitz not run core? Why does it run core? Horrible question. Well, I mean, core is the one which everything is tested with. So, you know, we, we are we are building so many services on top. You know, we cannot just change, pull the rug, you know, under. Uh, <laughs> that is, that, you know, that is an impossible kind of, you know, development task. But what I was thinking, for example, to offer more Lightning implementations, for example, because now we have like, uh, you know, slightly, I mean, sometimes they are diverging and then coming coming together again in terms of what functions are, of, are being offered. Uh, you know, that would be an interesting thing to do, but uh, I, I don't think that, you know, it would make sense to to run anything else than core. I mean, what we are looking at is, is when do we update to the latest, you know, because we need to make sure that everything is, is, is working and we are on 0 0.20 for now and then you know does 021 come with the new lightning release i mean probably we'll see um yeah i think course course, course days i mean you know there is um i mean first of all not it's quite close to core isn't it so why would i want to go to a fork which is which has less kind of eyes on it and then, I mean, things people like my two sets has uh, mentioned uh, Bitcoin and like BTCD and things. I mean, you can do some kind of like neutrino filters were, were basically served by both knots and and uh, BTCD SI recall, but now they are in core as well. So, you know, we should just uh, go on with that. I, yeah, I, I feel to have one stable thing is, is the best, but then, I mean, I have run multiple nodes. I might look into, you know, having one or two different, like, uh, you know, I really like what what uh, the Bitmax Research Fork Monitor does in this uh, uh, topic, that they are just running multiple versions and multiple implementations and see if there is any, any divergence. But that's not for the, you know, uh, simple user, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of challenges in doing it. And, you know, especially <laughs> all these, uh, you know, these pre-built node solutions having so many different bits of software, like not everything is going to be compatible either. And, uh, you know, like well, I said, like the cost to maintain is, is really big too. So I don't know, may, maybe it's best for, you know, someone new coming up to build something instead of trying to bootstrap this to an existing implementation or I'm project. I mean, I, I think I look, I think that this idea of, of running old, old core nodes protects you from most of the risks that we're discussing here. Right. The, these yeah, risks that, that maybe the with, that has like other bugs in it. So like going back like that has a lot of problems. I, I see. Yeah, but so does. I mean, it's not like there's no trade offs to having multiple clients. And we've seen this, you know, uh, uh, with Ethereum and stuff. What, what happens is is 
is a big exchange just has to run all the clients um, and they have to run them all at the same time to see what's the issue. And if, if there's a disagreement between the clients, there's no clear set, you know, what, what, which way do we go from here? Like, what is, what does Vitalik say? Which way should we proceed? But with, with, with core, it's very simple. If, if there's a, if there's a fork in the future, uh, an accidental fork that has to do with something that was was in, you know pushed in serendipitously, like something that we didn't know got put into a new core release. Uh, we go with the older nodes, like we follow the older nodes. It's a very straightforward concept. Um, and then once if if you add this stuff, yeah, can you guys stop trading? If you add this other stuff in there, it gets it gets all convoluted. It's like what is the objective truth? I don't know if we solve anything. I think we like almost add more issues. A big thing here is lack of auto updates, which is key in core that they don't allow auto updates. Because if you have someone able to push an auto update, um, they could push a malicious update. Um, yeah. With these node packages, that's not the case, except for Raspberry Blitz and Ronin Dojo, which make you manually update, which a lot of people think is a negative. You know, I would say as, as a, a massive benefit. Like if you're a MyNode user and you're doing um, auto updates, that's fine. Like I understand it's a convenience thing for you. Or an umbral mm -hmm. user, uh, but but you're not protecting from this threat vector. This this threat model that we're talking about right here, you're just not part of that protection. Yeah, right? I, agree. I think the update should be off by default. But if the user wants to toggle them on, they should be able to. But it's weird, right? Because Lightning, you want to auto update, or you want to update quickly. I don't know, right? Well, only right now because the network is so nascent, and you know we're prone to find all these bugs, but. You know that could easily change down the line. Hopefully, as we ossify a little bit more, but like things are moving at such like a breakneck uh, pace that you know if, if you're updating, or if you're not updating, there's like a good chance you're gonna like, you know, hit hit an issue that uh, you know, could lead to loss of funds or you know incompatibility, as you know things are getting ironed out now. So it's probably best for you to keep that updated. Anthony makes a good point uh, from Bottle Pay. Uh, that if we allow auto updates, then we might have COVID tracking implemented in core. So that is Correct. something that we need to yeah. be careful about. I feel for that. Yeah, my, my, my other worry about the kind of note packaging and just kind of this kind of approach of surface everything, but then we, we, we start to base too many things on Docker, Microsoft Docker, to say that, which <laughs> comes with packages which are not even you cannot even check their uh, so they're unsigned packages which you just downloading it's like worse than the google play store or the or the iStore or whatever apple store in on, on the phone that you are just you know updating these apps and it's it's a concern because basically every like speak speaking about the kind of you know hardware and you know what what we are what we are afraid of when we are running these things um you know, apart from us, with the rest of this, you know, everyone is just seem to take the easy route and, you know, just, just use Docker. It's so easy. And it's basically, it's not anymore. It's not just a Bitcoin and Lightning node. It's, it's, a, it's a Bitcoin, uh, Lightning and Docker node. Yeah, that, that's the problem. I mean, with Docker images, it's possible to make the images viable. But the nature of the of the software and how it works, it's like most of the stuff that you're going to pull down aren't going to be verifiable. You're going to be like most, by and large, pulling down binaries. 
So uh, yeah, that, that that's another risk in having something like Docker in your stack. Um, I mean, the freaks should be building from source. I know the freaks aren't building from source. The most of the freaks, if you're not building from source, you should at least be verifying your PGP signatures. Um, yeah. I know most of the freaks aren't doing that. You're, you can. There's a guide at usepgp.com um, if you want to check that out. Um, Mirandy McMillan mentioned, and and the reason for both of these things um, is because you want to make sure, and and this is what OpenOMS and Evan were just talking about. You want to make sure that at least if you can't read code, you want to make sure that like when Evan builds Zeus and he has a new update for Zeus, mm -hmm. um, which he's the lead maintainer for, you want to make sure that 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 application file, uh, that installation file doesn't get compromised in between you and Evan. At least you know that like I'm trusting Evan and I don't want it to get changed. And that's what the verification, the PGP verification does. Um, I Another thing that people don't really talk about, and Randy McMillan mentioned this um, earlier in the chat, uh, seed torrent releases uh, of each release ASAP, that already happens. Um, and people don't really talk about this. A torrent by design verifies the hash of the file that was uploaded. So actually, there's an argument to be made that for that average user who's not going to verify their PGP signatures, uh, maybe they should download through torrents. Have you guys given any thought to this? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's much harder to do um, a man in the middle that way. And as part of the protocol, you are verifying um, you know, the hashes of all the bits. So yeah, I, I would say generally speaking, there's a better you have better security pro uh, security assurances by downloading a torrent uh, versus downloading a file directly. At least if you're downloading the torrent from a verifiable source. So that, that's an interesting point. Yeah, right. absolutely. We do, I mean, the, the RESPublic SD card images, for example, which we you know build from source, basically. I mean, we are, there are some binaries, but even those are verified automatically with VGP. Um, they are um, distributed through torrents, first of all. And then there is a server where you can download from, but it's probably quicker to get the torrents if you are not the first one to download. And I mean, all, all these things, I mean, even if you are, um, I mean, we, we, even you could do that with, with Zeus just to, you know, put, put in a torrent link as well. I mean, you need to figure out how to seed it properly the first time or to how to how to put it on trackers. But then um, it is a quite nice way to, to download it. And it works on, on mobiles as well very, very nicely. And then, as you said, uh, Matt, it auto checks the, the uh, hash at least. So it, it's a good step, which is quite difficult to do on the mobile otherwise. Yeah, I mean, as it stands now, I would just say try to verify the keys that you're pulling from multiple sources. <laughs> For Zeus, we have one copy hosted on our website, and then we have another copy uh, in our GitHub repo. So if you're doing this, try to cross-reference. That's good practice. Uh, I see a question from Hamish. He asked, is Umbrella based on Docker? Uh, yes, it is. It manages all its packages with Docker, so be mindful of that. Um, yeah, L&D just got reproducible Docker builds, uh, or they're about to release that, I believe, with 0.12 or 0.13, I think. So uh, check that out if you're using Docker in your stack. Well, 6102, 6102 says you have to find the torrent from somewhere. I mean, I, 
I think like the average user can confirm a torrent link or a torrent magnet URL. Uh, yeah, it's best in the PGP send message. Easier, yeah. easier than they can do PGP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, PGP, you got to like, you know, it's like a harder workflow to just like verify stuff, generally speaking. Or yeah, but, but, yeah. for sure. but the ideal is to publish a, a, a torrent magnet link in a PGP sign message. Right, correct. And, and but they're not going to verify that. We're talking about the user that's not verifying that. Okay, but even if <laughs> only you know one out of 100, 100 people verify that, it's right. it's already much better. And it's right. just you know you, you would just think why is why is all that code around it? You know what does that do? So you know it just makes makes PGP natural. And we uh, saw that we saw that with Monero actually. Um, I know there's some freaks that prefer that I just never discuss altcoins, but sometimes I bring it up when there's a learning experience. Um, with Monero, a lot of people said that uh, a blind SHA-256 hash doesn't help you. Uh, you need to have a PGP-signed hash. Um, but it turned out that uh, getmonero.org got compromised. They changed the file, but the hash was hosted on a different web server, and that server wasn't... Um, that server wasn't compromised. So you didn't actually even need to do a PGP verification. If you just did a simple SHA-256 hash of the file, you saw that it was the wrong hash and someone alerted uh, the rest of the community within like 40 minutes. There was like a thousand malicious downloads or something, Damn. which I, I count as a win. That's a win for open source software, right? Yeah, relatively speaking, that's a really quick turnaround, 40 minutes. So it's good that they had that many eyes on it. You know, that might not happen on a project that gets used less. Yeah, where, where is the magnet link from? Well, uh, you know, I mean, in yeah, case of Twitter, obviously. Yeah, uh, yes. I mean, you could do it on t Twitter, but you could put an, a TXT file on uh, on GitHub or GitLab or wherever you're hosting your repo. I mean, it, until it is it's a PGP signed, it is fine. And, you know, not everyone will uh, verify. But, you know, if I if I I've came into this situation a couple of times that I was like downloading, you know, the first uh, release candidate release candidate images from like or binaries from LND. And then, you know, I, I found out that, well, guys, this is, you know, it's not I found who signed it, but this wasn't the one developer who was uh, written on the website. And then, you know, went to the Slack and said, well, look, this is not working out, but uh, or your your key has expired and things like that. And, you know, I, I knew that at least I checked. Um, Okay, there's magnet link. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So just yeah, to be clear, you, from there. yeah, you just take it in, in on Windows, the qubit torrent, cube QB, I think, yeah, QBIT torrent um, is an open source uh, um, torrent client, which you should download on Windows. And then, I mean, you have like transmission on Linux and Mac, someone else will um, say what to use. And you just paste this link as it is into the torrent window and it's done. That's how you download, th download things. As you can see, it does have the info which you need. It's I just feel the like list, torrents list are pretty of cool. Like Bitcoiners don't give enough credit to torrents. Like uh... torrent, The torrent technology is in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But it, it torrents are badass. Like, do we agree that torrents are badass? Oh hell yeah! I mean, it's like only just because 
that uh, of a BitTorrent really that like these streaming services really had to come to, to prominence and get good, you know? Like, I don't think we'd see Spotify as, as soon as we saw it if it wasn't for something like BitTorrent really putting the pressure on the industry. So, you know, sh shouts out to, uh, to BitTorrent. It's incredible technology and you should still use it today. Yeah, and 6102, yes, we should verify. So this magnet link should be a four times bigger wall of text <laughs> within a GPG signature. And then <laughs> the, the magnet bit, you should copy paste into your uh, torrent client. Yeah, that's, what, that's, what, that's where we got to, you know? Yeah, my, my takeaway is unless you have a verified source of truth with like a, a PGP key that you've already verified, like, you Which know. Which has been signed by others, right? Yeah, that's signed by others, or or you know through you know some other medium that it's legit, right? Um, then you know don't trust any single source as a source of truth. You know that's what this whole Bitcoin thing is all about. Like no one entity should be should be trusted. Like you should be able to, you should split up that trust across multiple parties and verify through multiple different sources, like sources that you know aren't connected to each other. And that's what this thing is all about. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like 6102 will stop being our friends if we don't make it clear that everyone should just learn how to use uh, GPG and uh, verify all of their signatures for software they download. And if your developer is not providing signed downloads, shame on them. Shame them publicly. Shame them loudly. Don't use the software. Um, okay, next subject. Let's fucking go. Uh, encryption. End-to-end -end encryption, reduced knowledge of what is going on by your users. Uh, we are seeing now Signal is hitting, you know, well, really people should use GPG, but they're not, once mm -hmm. again. Um, the, the real game changer is when you provide them easy UX uh, with, with that same cryptographic guarantees, which is what Signal attempts to do. Now, is there a trust model there? Yes. Have we discussed the trust model last episode? Yes. So I don't want to really discuss the trust model that much. Okay. Um, we are trusting Signal. We are trusting the app stores that provide you the package. I want to talk about a bigger, uh, uh, you know, a bigger macro issue with the idea of encrypted messengers, which is this idea that, uh, and we we saw an article come out today. I think in TechCrunch, uh, New York Times did a a FUD piece on it. Alex Gladstein did the opposite in Time Magazine. Um, this idea that a user of Signal, that Signal can't police their users, they don't know what their users are doing, they don't know who their users are, so they can't stop criminals from using Signal. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to see this argument pop its head up more and more. We saw it in the encryption wars that basically have never ended and continue to this day. Uh, the previous attorney general for the United States was was just talking about trying to end around encryption. They they talk about it like they're not trying to ban encryption, but as soon as you try and add backdoors, try and add this visibility, you're doing it. Um, you know, where I I I think an interesting an uh, interesting metaphor here is is cars. I, mean, I don't know. People might think I'm crazy. Vehicles. We are driving these two-ton vehicles, one-ton vehicles down the road, and people are trusting us with that. There is no way that Toyota knows Toyota knows like who is driving their vehicles. There's no way that Hertz knows like if you're going to use their car for a crime or not. But we don't tell people that they can't use cars, that there's like cars cannot be sold. 
Um, we trust them that they're going to use that car in good faith. And if they don't, then we go at them, uh, you know, through basic police work, good old fashioned police work and, and you know, legal repercussions. Um, I don't see a difference there with encryption, but I know that lawmakers do. So so I'm curious, you know, do, do you guys think we're going to see more of this? We're going to see like terrorists use encryption, terrorists use Bitcoin, uh, you know, uh, well, what is your best argument for why something like signal should be protected? Why, why people should be able to have uh, encrypted end to end speech where, th where the provider doesn't know what's going on. They have no idea. Yeah, this is just comes down to the need of privacy. I always ask people why they have a, a door on their toilets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Even the guys that are running these spy agencies, right? They still have blinds on their windows. Do they? Do they have anything to hide? Right, but I don't think these arguments are very. You know, like I don't think I think a regulator is going to laugh at my cars. Argue, you know, metaphor. I, I think um, we have Rad Vladdy in the comments saying, "What about the shoe companies? I mean, every terrorist probably wore sneakers. I mean, some probably wore boots." Um, you can KYC shoes and cars, definitely. Right, you're going to KYC them and try and thought police them ahead of time. It's not practical. I don't think that's an effective argument. You know, I, I, my my co-host, Tales from the Crypt, Marty Bent. You know, he he constantly hits me with the, do we live in a free country? Do we do this or do we do not? Do we do that? And and to me, these arguments always come down to that scorpion, that scorpion uh, frog metaphor. Where like the frog is bringing the scorpion across the water, the scorpion pro promises him he's not gonna sting him, and the frog's like, "Well, if he stings me, then it hurts both of us," and then it stings him anyway, right? And that's the same idea with encryption. Like, if if we make it hard for honest Americans, honest law-abiding citizens, I'm not gonna keep this America focused because open arms isn't America. You know, just an average law-abiding citizen can't protect their own privacy. Um, we are dooming this country. We we are hurting our own citizens. I don't think they care. And I think that's where open source comes in. I think the idea of open source is that if we have like a signal um, that gets banned, like at least you can still use PGP, right? At least you can still use some random open source APK. Yeah, for sure. So, so it really comes down, for me, it comes down to two parts. It's like, okay, economically, right? Like, yeah, sure, these things like, you know, shoes and cars and planes and guns and encryption can all be used for bad things. But, you know, if you were to somehow be able to wave a magic wand and make them go away, we're all going to be poor off for it because the economic possibilities are reduced so much. I mean, think about it. Like encryption is not just used for our private signal messages or for Bitcoin transactions. They're used uh, when we log into our bank accounts, when we make our transactions with our credit cards on Amazon, um, everywhere. When we sign into our systems for work, like if you get rid of encryption, like the, these things are like could hardly function anymore. And then furthermore, like my other argument would be like the practicality. You, you can't. And that by and large because of open source. And because of, you know, the computing revolution and the accessibility that we have with all these processors to, to whip stuff up and use math to, you know, verify our software downloads or send encrypted messages or use Bitcoin, 
You know, like at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to ban it one way or the other, right? Like, okay, maybe the U.S. government puts the clamp down and, you know, uh, you can't use GitHub anymore or, you know, they put pressure on the ISPs to start censoring stuff. We're going to route around that shit. The Internet was built to route around all of this bullshit and these centralized hubs that can be censored are anomalies in the whole system. And, you know, you can write whatever piece of bill of legislation, which with whatever threat of violence or imprisonment behind it. But the toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't stop this anymore. So why waste our valuable time, right, which is really the most scarce thing we have debating this? It's over. It's over the debate. Because if someone really wants to use this tech, they're going to be able to now. Yeah, 100% agree. You just, uh, I mean, in the digital world, the problem is, which is getting more apparent that they can stop you to move physically. But, um, you know, in the, well, it, it, and also it's always a fight. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not over because they're trying always to push back and then, uh, you know, you need to find new ways to route around, like, you know, ISPs are centralized, so you need mesh networks or you need satellites or, uh, you know, your hardware manufacturers, manufacturers are compromised, so you need open source hardware. You need to be able to make your hardware at home at some point, you know, grow it out of mushrooms. Yeah, and, and I, I think if like you think it's possible for this monolithic entity in, in the form of the state to be able to find a way to clamp down on this stuff, then that's like an inherently pessimistic view against humanity, because I think that individuals and their ingenuity is, is unmatched. You know, whatever arbitrary thing something someone dictates from the state, like some new form, you're going to incentivize someone or a group of people to work on something to, to work around it. And someone's going to come up with a new solution to route around your arbitrary uh, dictate. So, you know, do so at your own peril. My dog just got fired up by your, <laughs> by your speech. Um, I, uh, yeah, look, I mean, I 100% agree. I, I think the cat's out of the bag. I like the toothpaste is out of the tube. Uh, that just sounds, you know, like cats shouldn't be in bags. So when the cat's out of the bag, like I'm proud of the cat. Cat back into a bag, but you but ever like walking into the bathroom and the, the toothpaste is outside of the tube. Like what the fuck's going on? I don't know. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's no good. <laughs> it seems disturbing to me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think like when you talk about tools that empower individuals that, that help, um, strengthen individuals and and create empowerment uh to argue against them becomes immediately obvious like one side uh wants free choice wants people to have the option and and the other side is just straight up going for bans and it's a very weird dichotomy and i think it becomes very obvious to the average individual um when presented those two situations like you can have um by all means someone can argue the efficacy of 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 our lifeboats and whether or not our lifeboats will hold water and, and 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 protect us but to to tell us that that lifeboat usage should be banned completely um from a sinking ship is like absolute you know ridiculousness and i i think most people see through that 
Um, I'll tell you one thing. The criminals definitely see through it. The criminals are going to use all this shit no matter what. So any mm -hmm. any kind of restrictions you put in on an individual empowering tools, you're just hurting that that average law abiding person who doesn't want to doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. Yep. Yeah. Yes. They say it's saying the chat that the rules are like ban is on does only work on good people. The bad people don't care about this. So it is inherently doesn't serve it, its purpose. 100%. Yeah, and at this point, like, come on, are you going to honestly tell me that the the malicious uses of it outweigh like the legitimate uses and numbers? Like, no way. Whether it comes to encrypted messaging or um, Bitcoin, like that's definitely not the case. We're by and large using it for legal things. Um, so we've been discussing open hardware, open software. Um, a big pain point that we've seen in our daily lives is most people's main computer is their phone and their phone is usually either operated by a Google operating system or an Apple operating system, um, who they have to trust wholeheartedly, um, with both their privacy and their security. Uh, there's a ton of closed source blobs in there. Yep. Um, what's really cool is what's called my eye recently is graphene OS, which allows you to install a de-Googled version of Android that's privacy focused on, ironically enough, Google hardware, which is more open hardware that has secure element in it. So that's why they target it, ironically enough. But ultimately, what we want to see is open hardware. Um, before we get to the open hardware conversation i just wanted to mention real quickly here that graphene has two things that i think are really game changing in terms of open software i mean i have a guide on tftc.tv on how to install it and i recommend people do it's easier and more accessible than they think it is um, but my guide's about to be obsolete um, they have a chromium based version of the installer so you don't need fast boot um, and you can just do it all from a browser and actually you can do it from another graphene phone um, which is a game changer. If you just have a USB-C cable, you can install graphene on a pixel from another pixel that has graphene on it. No computer necessary. They also have this verification method where you can verify instead of PGP signatures, you can verify with a QR code from another Android phone. It doesn't actually even have to be a graphene phone. So you can, you can have a second source of truth from another Android phone, ideally a graphene phone, but it doesn't have to be a graphene phone. Those two things combined, I think, are really cool ideas in terms of trying to make open source software, specifically provable and verifiable software, um, more accessible for the average user. So I'd like to see more of that. Um, I know both of you guys are, are pretty bullish on graphene. 6102 is asking us Calyx OS versus graphene versus Copperhead. Do you guys have any opinions here? Yeah, I'm running I'm running Calyx as my day-to-day -day now. I managed to, to switch over uh, from actual Google and graphene i have as well but i didn't it didn't manage to stick because for to net to sometimes literally navigate in the fiat life you know i i, I need the i need the google services which is available in calyx os in the form of an open source alternative which is called micro g so you can have your notifications you can have your um all the apps which are which will be dependent on those kind of things and still the information which is shared to google if necessary it's it's controlled 
and stripped to the absolute minimum and you can st stop it and control it from by app, app by app and see what is being being shared um also i mean the main reason for these all these os is to use pixels to start with because the boot louder that's the main phone kind of brand which does allow allow the bootloader to be relocked mm -hmm. otherwise you can install open source android without google called um, now it's called lineage os or aosp android on basically any android phone but you cannot relock the bootloader because those most of the phones don't allow this there is like an exception which is called the the it's in chinese called xiaomi a a5 m m2 which is an old phone it costs like less than 100 usd uh you can only probably i mean yeah, you should you should be able to buy it new as well that's that might be 200 but it's it's you know there's a huge used market so it's it's like uh you know it's a very cheap thing to have and then it it is like more tricky to put the calyx os on it but uh that, that's what i was i was uh playing with and it's it's working great Wait, and also Let's unpack for the freaks why uh, we want to lock the bootloader. Yes, exactly. So, so the main thing is that on, even on that, the bootloader can be logged. So, if I lose the phone, then someone with a minimal knowledge to be able to attach like a micro USB uh, to their laptop uh, cannot open the inside. So, it doesn't. Uh, it's not, not not able to read the contents of the of the of the phone, which is just the minimal security. So, what you do when you when you know someone would uh well let's assume not steal but find a phone you know and there is no way to return it to the to the previous owner well you either take it to the to the police station which i wouldn't but you would, you, you would you would want to use it or sell it then uh, there is no other way just to reset it except if the bootloader is unlocked or jailbroken or whatever um very rooted that's the android lingo uh, the jailbroken is the is the iOS thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so the phone is rooted and the the uh, bootloader is open. Then, without resetting the phone, you can change the the um, software on it, and with that, you can um, access all the data on it. So anything which is not encrypted, then with a different key, is open to the to the prying guys. Let it be a banking application, your notes, your contacts, or whatever. Um, yeah, freaks. That's called an evil maid attack. So, um, oh, you don't, well, well, or, or just a simple steal. <laughs> if, if, someone has, if someone has physical access to your device and your bootloader is not locked, they can run any arbitrary software they uh, code they want to run. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so if if you if if they they can end around your PIN or whatever kind of password you have on there. Now, if if you actually have it encrypted, then they're you're still protected. They have to brute force your encryption password, um, but presumably they can brute it easier if your bootloader is not locked. So ideally, in terms of physical security on your phone, you want your bootloader to be locked with both Calyx, with all three of the of the questions, Calyx, Graphene, and Copperhead, you can lock your bootloader if you use Pixel phones. I think uh, what OpenOMS was saying is there's a random ya Yaomi phone uh, out of China. Yep. Sure. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce their hardware that that allows you to lock the bootloader. But of course, 
um, then you're just exchanging, you know, Chinese backdoored hardware uh, for U.S. backdoored <laughs> hardware. Uh, the opposite. What? It's all made in China. Sorry, uh, everything's made. Well, not Samsung makes a lot of their shit in Vietnam. I don't know. <laughs> really? Huh? Interesting. Does that help? Uh, but uh, yeah. So so Calyx is interesting to me. I think the main thing that's interesting that people don't realize is that eSIMs are allowed. Um, yes. And and we highlighted a freak run business, Silent.link, last last week, and I guess we're highlighting it again this week. That allows you to buy an eSIM with Bitcoin with no KYC. Yeah. It's all out of um, stock there. Yeah. Which is dope. Uh, I, I spoke to our boy Katan, who did it on Calyx, said it works fantastic. Now he has a British number. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can't do that with graphene. So that's the major benefit. Uh, obviously, the second major benefit is, is, is that you have Google services, but you know someone who uses graphene would say that's a feature, not a bug. So basically, if you want to go super hardcore, use graphene. If you don't, use Calyx. Copperhead was like a fight with... Uh, with the graphene, the the founders of graphene, it was called Android hardened, hardened Android, something to that effect, and they they got into an argument, um, and they split up. So Copperhead is the for profit project, and graphene is the free open source uh, version. Um, so Copperhead, you have to actually buy the phone with Copperhead already on, um, and there's some DRM elements to it. So I. Yeah. I'm, I'm strictly either graphene or calyx currently running graphene consider either they're both major improvements over um just running like a stock android or apple phone but ultimately what we want to see is open hardware so let's get to open hardware uh what's the goal yeah, here what are we looking at what real quick a freak ask is there an equivalent for all this for apple devices <laughs> no just you know get a pic get a cheap pixel and install install graphene or calyx on it there we go um, on, on on an iphone you can't even install an application separate from the app store um so when they decided like i i would never use parlor um but when they decided that parlor wasn't allowed for iphone users you couldn't use it anymore at least even if you even if you use like completely google android and you're just completely uh, letting Google spy on whatever you want to let them spy on, whatever they want to spy on, and you're just trusting them 100%, they let you install Parler APK separate, right? They let you, when we had Bitcoin wallets banned on iPhone, you just couldn't install a Bitcoin wallet. Like tomorrow, iPhone, Apple could tell you no. Oh, here's the thing. Here's the real kicker, Matt. By default, in the iOS settings, uh, if Apple chooses to delete the app from their app store it will also delete the app from your phone which is some real george orwell 1984 shit there is a setting to turn that off uh but by default it is on so if you guys are using any apps you think might get banned i don't know maybe telegram they're trying to target that pretty heavily you might want to turn that setting off yeah i wonder that's what the yeah uh, that's the only reason i'm not using fully noted because uh uh, it only works on iOS, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it looks like so nice as far as the features go, but uh, yeah, not an iOS user. I'm sure other people use it. It sounds great. So open hardware. Let's discuss open hardware. Yes, let's get into it. Uh, um, is this, is, this me, is this me petting unicorns again? Or like, is this something <laughs> we can see in reality anytime soon? It depends on your time frame, but... 
think I hope we have, we approach it and, and more products come out. Not Noms was just showing us one before the show. Noms, you want to talk about that one? Yeah. So so this is this has been yeah uh, advertised on on or I came across it on on Twitter. It's called a Beagle Board, which is uh, basically there is so we have like Intel manufacturing CPUs, we have uh, AMD manufacturing CPUs, and then now ARM is coming up a lot, uh, which is like in all the Raspberry Pis and all the phones as well. And then there is like a fourth um, reasonably popular CPU architecture coming to life, so popular that Bitcoin Core has a build for it. And it runs Linux. Um, which is the operating system you want to use if you want to have any kind of reliability or verifiability. Um, and it is called a Beagle, Beagle 5 or Beagle V, I think. It's probably, yeah, Beagle V, uh, BeagleBoard.org uh, slash Beagle V is the, is the website. You can register interest. Basically, it's a low-cost board, which is uh, based on this open uh, architecture, open CPU architecture called RISC-V. Or risk V, I'm not, I'm not even sure, um, and it will be in the ballpark of 100 USD. It has four gigabytes of RAM and two two cores of one gigahertz pro processor, which means that you can actually run Linux on it. Uh, I think it would be like comparable to like a Raspberry Pi three, probably. Um, certainly would be able to. I'm not certainly, but I strongly hope that it will be able to run at least Bitcoin Core. If you're lucky, it would could take like C Lightning as well. And um, you know, looking forward to try it because this is the first accessible price board, board which is based on this kind of uh, architecture, which is which is much more verifiable than than any other uh, chip manufacturers or architecture users. Uh, yeah, that's a big thing, I think. But um, it will take a couple of months to come into uh, reality. It will be the first batches will be coming in April and then widely available from September. Did we have the link yet? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's up, it's up. So yeah, check it out, register interest. You need to fill out a Google form. They are not accepting Bitcoin, but it is proper open source hardware. Yeah, looks sick. Nice, and, and we got the link about how to prevent apps from being deleted uh, in the chat. I mean, from iPhone and iPad in the chat. I also tweeted it if anyone's interested in that. But yeah, the board looks sick. I think I'm gonna put in an order for that. Uh, you know, it's definitely a step up from the ARM chips that we have on, uh, let's say, the Raspberry Pi and uh, the Rock 64. Uh, you know, it's just like good to have a chip architecture that that's open. No, it's it's not completely foolproof, you know. There, there's, uh, you know, places where you know bad stuff could lie. But having the architect architecture of the chip itself be open is is incredible. And you know, we don't really have another equivalent for that, uh, other than the open power systems. But those are like fully fledged, uh, you know, computers, and they're very expensive. They're so and, expensive. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's really hard to get things running on there too. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's just not on a single board computer like this thing is. So this is like a really encouraging sign uh, that things are going in the right direction. And hopefully we see more products like this as time goes on. I mean, so do you guys think like do you think like realistically that 
like a raspberry pie, like these raspberry notes, the proliferation of them is a risk to the network? Or is this a purely, uh, you know, I, I feel like in our threat models, we tend to go a little bit, and we should, we should be adversarial about it, but is, is it really a practical issue for most people? Is it a practical issue for Bitcoiners? It would be a, a bit of a pain if it actually went down, but I don't think it actually risked the, the network long term. I think it'd be like a really bad day for us, but I, I think we would uh, ride around that issue. So it's like, you know, calls into question whether it'd be even worse trying to coordinate an attack like this. It would, uh, you know, it would be quite costly to, to figure out how to execute it and and get it done. And then at what cost, you know, like yeah, points yeah. In the wrong chain for a little bit. You know, it'd have to be like part of some crazy scheme hitting one entity or but um yeah, long term, I don't. I don't really think it's that big an issue. It's something to be mindful of, and definitely something uh, to to consider as as these new products are coming on the market. Yeah, I think it's it's rather it's it's not a systemic risk. Like you know, like uh, there would be no like remote access en masse because all the network chips are compromised. Uh, but it's an individual risk. So mm -hmm. don't use a Raspberry Pi for instead of a hardware wallet right because right. It, it is not it is not not verifiable and it needs uh, especially so out of all the single board computers the raspberry pi is slightly worse because it needs uh, a binary blob flashed on to the sd card or well it's it's mostly or even the ssd if it's boost from that to be able to work which which runs an underlying operating system like the BIOS or UFI, UFI on the Intel machines, and which can even tell or simulate things for the Linux running on top. So if someone highly technically able takes a machine like this to a lab, then they would be definitely able to extract any kind of thing stored on it, run on it, or you know, it's, it's it's not a secure environment to that extent. Like you cannot compare it to a code card, for example, right? Or uh, <clears throat> even if it's air gapped. Um, but well, that's when can... we air gap things, right? When we air gap things, it's like the least you can do. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So, so for example, I'm I'm looking forward to a project of uh, of uh, well, mine together with, with other people with with Blitz and and with the uh, with a friend of mine who we manufacture these is metal boxes for Blitz that we do do a box for the code card which is there will be there to house the code card attached <clears throat> to the Raspberry Pi running a full node and you just delegate the signing and the key storage to the actual code card in well not airgapped but in a in a well separated fashion and also running CK bunker which you might be might be aware of um, which is basically the code card make three in a HSM mode in a hardware security module mode where you can just throw it on throw a PSBT on it and give it predefined rules or verify on the fly by pressing buttons uh, to sign the transaction the pre-signed Bitcoin transaction on the hardware wallet on the code card uh, instead of having it signed on the 
on the uh, Raspberry Pi node itself. So, you know, basically removing that trust issue and placing it on the court card uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, risking funds to that. <clears throat> and so, and there are many softwares which will be um, able to, so there's a lot of development which is pointing to this direction that this can be realistically done more and more easier like LND and like C Lightning working with pre-signed Bitcoin transactions and being able to delegate the signing outside from their hot wallet running and also join market has a huge support in this. Uh, I think the next major release will have things like uh, being able to pass a, 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 a pre-constructed uh, PSBT to the Python script, which is a join market, and uh, make it sign. And then the other way as well, that it can construct a PSBT, which you can then sign externally. So your keys won't be stored inside the potentially uh, backdoored or compromised Raspberry Pi or other kind of Windows machine or whatever, but you can you can take it and you can air gap sign it if you want on a in a court card, for example. Um, so yeah, you, need, you just you just need to uh, take these things where 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 they belong. So you are not running production uh, environment on a Raspberry Pi, and you are not making it widely available for the internet either. And that's not what that is not what's happening with these home node projects. Uh, so Ultim yeah. ultimately, right? Whether it's open source hardware, whether everyone's whether it's open hardware or open software, like what we want to see is we want to see it be easy enough to be to to be verified mm -hmm. um, by advanced users at least. Um, you you want to be in a situation where where it's provable and verifiable the claims that are made. Um, we, we have a, a freak in the comments that's going by some person, um, could be anyone, no one knows who it is, um, <laughs> asking me because I've recommended in the past, Michael Basil for privacy and, and he says he prefers iPhones. Right. And, and, and this is where we go back to that same, that same trade-off balance, um, where like iPhones might be a more private option for 90% of people. Uh, but it's a custodial private option. You're, you're, there's custodial privacy. In Bitcoin, we like to talk about uh, custodial uh, ownership of coins. Um, you also have custodial privacy, where you're trusting an entity with your privacy. Uh, Apple says they care about our privacy. They say they prioritize it. There's no way for us to prove it. There's no way for us to verify it. Even an advanced user can't do that. Um, so you, you end up in a trusted relationship. Um, and that can help maybe the average user increase their their situation. I mean, we see it with with ledger hardware wallets. If, if you want to talk about it in the Bitcoin space, mm -hmm. um, maybe that's you know better for for ninety percent of people, the overwhelming majority of people. But at the end of the day, if you really want a trust minimized option, you need to be able to prove it and verify it yourself, or at least have an advanced user do that. So we want to see we have software that you can do that with. Um, that's what the open source software movement is. And we don't have, we don't really have hardware that you can do that with yet. Um, so ideally what we want to see is hardware where you're able to do that. Short of that, um, as OpenOM said, we do like to air gap things, um, which is you just don't connect it to the internet. So we had Randy McMillan in the comments mention routers. Routers are a fucking mess. 
Um, uh, the average user is using a router that is fucking completely closed source and supplied by their monopoly internet service provider that are assholes. They are like the worst companies that we ever interact with. You know, you got like your fucking gas provider, your electric provider, and your fucking cable company, and they're all fucking horrible. <laughs> and they provide you a router that can see all of your internet traffic. Everything you fucking do on the internet. Um, so, I mean, we can talk about, you know, trying to push for more open hardware in that respect. But ultimately, if you're talking about securing funds, securing information, you just keep it offline. You just don't put it online to begin with. Um, and that that's what cold storage, the concept behind cold storage is all about. You can have like the most insecure setup, but if you never put it online, at least the, the malicious individual needs to come into your, 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 your home or your office or whatever and, and have physical access to to compromise you we do not have that liberty with lightning i see someone mentioning it in here um lightning is by default is a hot wallet right well it is uh, a scale right so there are like six different keys in a in an lnd uh, wallet actually and i mean the main two things the two main things i mean we can differentiate three at least very easily that one key which is completely different uh which is controls the on-chain wallet you don't need to use that at all you can fund your lightning channels from an out from the outside and it's yeah. very 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 it's not difficult it's quite easy actually but it's very important because you have full coin control and you don't get an, into any any issues with the you know chain surveillance and uh tracking the um, peeling chain, etc., which has been mentioned in the privacy article recently. Um, so those those are keys which you can already decouple and even air gap. Uh, there are keys which are required to open and close channels. Those are only needed occasionally. So I mean, if the software would uh, support it, and I'm sure it will, at, as it being developed, those can be taken offline after they have been online. But the keys which are actually signing the transactions, if you are running a routing node, those need to be hot because otherwise, you know, you wouldn't, wouldn't be able to to go. Uh, you wouldn't be able to forward payments, but they don't need to be able to pay out. So there could be there are different permissions needed to reduce your ba the balance on your node or to forward a payment, which which only uh, I mean, worst case, the balance stays the same, but usually increases with the fees earned. Yeah, that's 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 to lightning wallets. So that there could be, you know, plenty of de developments there. There will be. Yeah, I, I know the lightning labs guys are working on some solutions to try to try to have some sort of hybrid model wallet and, and not have so many funds hot. So we'll see how that plays out. It's gonna be very interesting. There's definitely a lot of room for improvement there. Oh my God, so much fucking nuance. But anyway, we're making progress, right? <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's like, you know, on Bitcoin, everything moves really slow, right? And, uh, you know, we, we try not to break anything. And on Lightning, it's the opposite. Like things are moving at like a million miles an hour. So it's going to be like that for a while longer until uh, this thing really starts to slow down and ossify. So but, you know, there's a benefit to that. You know, we could keep stuff on the first layer, uh, you know nice and uh not breaking which is great so uh, we have a new section of uh this show 
uh, titled questions from 6102. Um, <laughs> and he sends, he sends questions ahead of time. Like he just dropped a question in. Uh, we're not going to get to Watchtower so quickly. Um, I didn't think he was going to be in the comments. So he actually sent these questions ahead of time. So the first question is, what do they? What do you guys see for the future of Join Market? Will it slowly grow in popularity as tools improve, or remain a more niche tool? We'll start with OpenOBS because uh, he's kind of dedicated himself to to making the UX easier for Join Market. Well, yes, because I love to use it, and it's it's such a versatile tool that you know I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, it it comes, you know, it comes with a short a steep but short learning curve but after you have mastered it you have you have a wallet which gives you privacy and gives you perfect uh, coin control and you can construct the any transactions you like you can use pay join you can use uh, coin joins and you can pay with coin join and um, well uh, a lot, lot lot of other things which are hidden in the in the scripts uh, so the future, I mean, the future is that it is continued to be developed since six years now, and there is no stop in the development. Like, you know, if you look back, how was it five years ago? It is absolutely not the same how it, how it is now. And also, it's just been changed to be to default to uh, native SegWit addresses. So you have some, um, uh, not only you have some fee, savings there but now it is much easier to use it as the external wallet for your lightning node because that's that's what is most useful in it and that's why i'm that's what i'm trying to kind of um explain or or i will definitely need to write this up in in more detail how, how to do it but you have a selection of different size of coins, different size UTXOs in your join market wallet, which is which are like individually coin joined to a, to a different level. And you can pick and choose one and just open uh, uh, a lightning channel from that. And the join market developers, like especially Voxfink, who is the most um, kind of active, who is coordinating the project currently, um, is is quite quite interested in, the, in that direction as well. Uh, to you know, use the all the use all the tools available to make make PageOn more inter uh, compatible with other implementations, and also um, you know pull in Lightning as much as possible. There is also the work with with working with PSBTs, uh, which allows either external signing of transactions which are uh, constructed by Join Market, or the other way around to have Join Market sign transactions which are constructed outside um, and then there is in terms of what would really be a game changer is that there is an api in the works as well i mean it is it is a lot of work and it's structural changes right for and but what would that mean is that you could build uh, other applications on top which would just call into the join market api running on your node and you could, um, you know, coin join on the fly, use it as in a mobile wallet, etc. I mean, that is, you know, it, it 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 takes all time, and there is plenty of plenty of things which are which are being done. Um, will it be niche? I think, you know, before Schnorr and Taproot getting widely accepted, 
and we get a, a, a huge take up in adoption. I don't see coin joins to be viable and to be available for everyone because it just it will be just getting too expensive. So it will be always a niche. And that's why a, a lot of um, so these tech techniques which are hidden and not appearing as like huge transactions on the blockchain are very important, which can be pay joins, can be coin swaps, can be uh, lightning channel opens and closes and submarine swaps and things like that are much more important because they are also uh, breaking the common ownership hero heuristic, which we are again we are, we are going against, but they are not uh, wasting uh, block space basically. So, yeah, I see join market being you know staying very versatile and you know uh, being a niche as well, but then it is finding its you know place and we'll continue to do it i think yeah evan you wouldn't be my boy if you didn't have a strong opinion here hit us with it i think um you know it's it's really great to see the ui become more usable like i really i love what you guys have done with raspberry blitz but i really don't see we're gonna think we're gonna see a lot of increased usage uh on um on the market unless there's like someone creates some sort of like custodial middleman service for this thing where they could eat some of the fees by doing it in bulk and, uh, you know, provide like some sort of interface where, you know, you could just like deposit your coins on there and, and you don't have to go through the complexities of, uh, you know, running your own node and connecting it to join market like that. Uh, you know, however, you know, hopefully people are able to iterate on the software that exists today and make, you know, more usable user-friendly solutions, but, you know, it's really an uphill battle. I mean, we're quite fortunate to have the solutions that we have right now. I mean, this wasn't the same story as it was even like, you know, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, as far as coin joins go, I'm really excited for people to keep cranking out on join market, for people to keep cranking out on Samurai and Whirlpool, which is, you know, become a really solid solution. And I'm really excited to see uh, what the Wasabi guys do as far as not even not even just their new interface, but their new implementation. Wabi-sabi. Uh, Wabi-sabi, exactly. Yeah, so I'm really excited for those guys to learn from their mistakes and build like an even better uh, product. So, Look, you know, we should really take solace in the fact that there's a lot of competition right now. And what people don't realize is is people are like, I'm bearish on all this coin join competition uh, that, that all these different, um, you know, tools are competing with each other. And there's like a ton of anger and, and uh, fighting on, on social media about it. <laughs> that is super fucking bullish. Like two years ago, we didn't have multiple platforms to fight over. It was just join market. The only thing that existed was join market. Yeah. Um, so, so I want to see more competition here. I like that there's a business model associated with it. I mean, the thing, the reason I was super bullish on Join Market originally when it first came out, it was first announced um, in development was was this idea that it provided a financial incentive to provide liquidity, right? Which is we're all about incentives in the Bitcoin land. Like you want to have strong incentives um, that 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 reward uh, expected behavior, behavior that we want to see more of. Um, 
Jordan Market does that on a more distributed scale, but but both uh, Samurai Whirlpool and Wasabi have shown that there's an incentive for centralized companies, um, just like Signal or, or WhatsApp or something, uh, to provide a privacy-focused tool and make money off of it. Um, there, there, there's a demand there, and then they have an incentive to try and provide a superior privacy product. I think ultimately what we need to see is we need to see it if it stays niche, if CoinJoin stays niche, if PayJoin stays niche, we have lost. Like we need to see it in our everyday apps. And I don't think that's so hard to see. Like I, I think the Samurai guys were on top of it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not on execution, but on concept. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that we're not going to see the changes we want to see on the protocol layer. Um, we're not going to see those changes as a privacy focused person. We're just not going to, if you want to see privacy on the protocol level, it's just not going to happen. Um, we might get certain little, you know, fundamental improvements, stuff like taproot. Um, and, and hopefully ultimately, uh, you know, cross input signature aggregation, but we want to see this on the app level. Um, and I think, it's possible. Like I, I think like even if you talk about something like Blue Wallet, which isn't like a privacy focused mobile wallet, um, they've taken into into account like most best practices. Um, and if they want to keep getting recommended, like they're gonna have to add privacy tools in there. Like they have PayJoin. I think they have the most recent BIP seventy eight PayJoin. They have Lightning. Um, yeah, and they have Lightning. Right, Lightning is 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 arguably. Um, is arguably our end user privacy tool that we're hoping for. But I, I think, you know, maybe like certain things could 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 be enough for us um, if it wasn't for for insidious K, KYC. Mm-hmm. So like we're, we're like we're like set up in a worse position because the majority of Bitcoin users are coming in through KYC on ramps. They're being like tagged and bagged as they come in. Um, so all of your transactions are with tagged and bagged people, right? Um, you have a bunch of deer meeting up in the forest. Uh, those deer probably wouldn't get identified, but they all have trackers on them. Uh, so obviously they're getting they're getting identified, right? Um, so so we have to go above and beyond because of this KYC hellhole that we've kind of found ourselves in. I mean, for no fault of our own, it's just what's going to happen. Like our whole our whole world is KYC. I um, mean, I think we get past that ultimately through, you know, instead of buying Bitcoin, you earn Bitcoin. Instead of selling Bitcoin, you spend it. But uh, it, it's going to be a, a long process. So, I mean, I, this is a great, I think this is a great time to transition to Lightning. On Lightning, I think ultimately the sender gets a, a, a massive privacy improvement. Um, I, I've talked about on the pod that I'm the asshole that when someone sends me a donation or a tip um, and tells me they did it, um, and they're like, I want to buy you a bottle of whiskey or something. I do like a little minor chain analysis of them. And I tell them, I tell them things about their bag, uh, just to try and teach them. Um, uh-huh. if they pay me with lightning, I can't easily do that. So for a sender, lightning gives you an additional privacy improvement right off the fucking bat. Uh, for the receiver, it's not the case. There's a ton of fucking nuance in trying to receive Bitcoin privately through lightning. Um, we have a recent, paper on uh this subject that came out i put this in the the video if you're watching the live stream if you're one of the few freaks watching live stream we appreciate you an empirical analysis of privacy in the lightning network 
That's arcsiv.org slash ABS slash 2003.12470. You may have seen this paper in the past. They recently updated it, which is why it's being brought up now. This was a question as a part of 6102 question hour. Have you had a chance to read the recent lightning privacy paper? He didn't ask, but I assume what is your opinion on that? Can I start? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hit us with it, open arms. So, yeah, I just um, put a, a link as well about uh, slides from a presentation which I've done in HCCP uh, 2020, uh, which you can download and you know and have a look. There are a couple of things mentioned there which are part of this article, and I mean also been triggered by the previous version of version of this of, of this article. Um, also, just uh, one comment before I forget about so paying with Lightning quite uh, private and please do it, especially like through multiple hops uh, when you appear not seeing your channel balance directly is is absolutely great. Uh, the because because of the onion routing so means that you can only see the neighbors one hop or can only see the neighbors and cannot see you know uh, two hops. Uh, away either forward or backwards uh, so that's why basically why uh, a payment would be could be quite private unless you are surveying and snapshotting the whole network every 30 seconds which we go into regarding the paper um, receiving on lightning you don't need to you can receive on chain you should use a new address every time you can use your pay name you can use your btc pay server just receive on chain and when you are running lightning you have every all of your spending money on lightning you can pay to an on-chain address that is called a submarine swap and you have multiple ways to do it the lnd lightning labs do run a, a loop service it, it is integrated in like rtl uh, the most uh, popular kind of node management interface you have boards exchange which, which is sorry Sorry, I was just saying that RTL is so great. I, I use yeah. it when managing my node on my desktop. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Awesome and then interface. Yeah, there, there is there is a similar. Uh, so to loop, there is a similar uh, thing which is called both exchange. It's it's uh, bolts boltz dot exchange, which is a subbrain swap service, which where you can pay a lightning invoice and it sends out. Um, an on-chain payment for you again there's like half a percent fee but that's a fee not for not just for the service but you gain tremendous amount of privacy there so if you pay your malware vpn and you don't go through the um, you know third-party lightning service you can go to both.exchange pay a lightning invoice and have the final amount sent on-chain from their wallet has, will have nothing to do with you in terms of on-chain footprint, right? So, and if you, there you go, uh, my two sets, uh, the developer of, of RTL says that both is coming to RTL as well. Great, so, you know, the more the better. Uh, <clears throat> so I just want to, want to say that, that you can, these are interchangeable, it's all Bitcoin. You can receive, continue to receive payments on chain while you are paying everything on lightning uh, 
sorry. Okay, sorry about that. It's just uh, it's something which pe which people do not really see. And all, all the all the mobile address mobile wallets like Breeze, Phoenix, even wallets of Satoshi uh, do uh, support paying to an on-chain address straight from the Lightning balance, and that is again a submarine swap. So, uh, that, that I mean that's a long thing to please please uh, tell me to stop at some points. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm muted. I'm muted. So you don't You're think muted. you don't think that people should receive should should even try receiving privately on Lightning right now? Well, it's not, it's it's not very possible at the moment. No. I mean, you can use a custodial wallet, right? And this goes back to the custodial privacy that we were talking about with the iPhone, right? Like I could use a. <laughs> Probably yeah. the most private way for me to accept Bitcoin is to use like a wallet of Satoshi or something, which is yes. kind of, or I mean, another, on Lightning. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or just another wallet, like, you know, even if you like use Phoenix or something, which is not actually custodial, but there is some custodial privacy there. Uh, but, and someone asked, is Lightning a mixer? Well, like a custodial Lightning node, yes, it is quite the same as a mixer because you throw in money and you take out another one. Uh, other kind of sets, even on ch either on chain or 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 through Lightning. So, I mean, there is, in terms of the way of working, uh, there are some parallels there, except you call it a custodial Lightning wallet and not a centralized mixer. But yeah, the, just just don't go custodial. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. That's not really a good argument. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if on Lightning, if don't go custodial is a good argument. Like if I'm withdrawing uh, from... Okay. from then don't a, go, yeah, don't go custodial with significant amounts. If right? you're withdrawing for, from a custody exchange, I mean, look, this is where... The, like, I wish there was no nuance. If, if you're withdrawing from a custodial exchange, let's say we're withdrawing from Bitfinex... Mm -hmm. And 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 I have a lightning node that I don't want Bitfinex to know about or the rest of the world. Yeah. And I'm KYC with Bitfinex, then I withdraw the wallet of Satoshi, and then I pay from wallet of Satoshi to my node. Wallet of Satoshi might be able to connect the dice. But at least Bitfinex can't. But it doesn't have the KYC information of Bitfinex if, if Bitfinex has you. Right. So, so there's like an argument to be made on Lightning, there's an argument to be made for custodial on Bitcoin, probably never use custodial. But yes, but this would be just a low amount, right? Because it, it wouldn't worth it, and you wouldn't be able to withdraw like you know multi-million satoshis to Lightning. You would withdraw on chain and and pay the you know forty k uh, sets withdrawal fee. And so open arms, then... open arms. Let me hit you with an actionable example that that maybe uh, at least the freaks that that are having a good time, having fun, staying poor out there uh, can relate to. Um, I was playing poker the other day, and they said, "Matt, Matt, you can't be, uh, you can't be like sitting around never being the banker. Like this is like week <laughs> ten of poker. You've never been the banker. It's your turn to be the banker." I was like, "I don't want to be the banker. Like, why am I the banker? Like, you guys should just be lucky that I'm playing with you. You know, like blah blah blah." <laughs> and they like compelled me to be the banker. So I was like, "Okay, fuck it, I'll be the banker." And then some guys were like, I want to receive, I want, I want to pay in lightning. I want to pay in fucking on-chain or whatever. So I, I gave people individual addresses for on-chain if they wanted on-chain. Otherwise, I provided them individual invoices if they wanted to pay on lightning. And so one guy, I provided a lightning invoice. And the lightning invoice said, 
Uh, this is for 500,000 sats, right? Which obviously an invoice would say. And then it showed his NIM. And then I put his NIM in the, in the, in the uh, memo um, for my own. So I knew that he was the one who paid it, right? And yep. then I put uh, poker. So I put his NIM plus poker in the memo plus the amount. And he paid me with strike. So now <laughs> Jack forever and anyone who, any regulator who he works with has this from his KYC name has him paying this invoice that says his NIM, poker, and the amount, right? And like he would have been way better off if I had just given him an invoice from Wilder Satoshi. Yeah, I mean, you know, what he did is he did not use a Lightning node. I mean, not his. He's He withdrew from an exchange to your invoice. That's what right. he did. Yep. So, so yes. So but he again, didn't only dox it. My point is, I guess my point is, not only did he fuck himself, he <laughs> fucked me, right? Yeah, because yeah. now, now Jack has now he's my boy. You know, hopefully Jack isn't going to come after me. You know, but but he but now this regulated entity has knows that 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 Matt. I mean, this is this is my public note. Knows that I was playing poker with this specific user. At yeah. this time, and this was the amount we paid. Played yeah, absolutely right? as a receiver, you, 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 and that wasn't yeah. my that wasn't my choice. Choice I provided the invoice, but I didn't know where he was going to pay it from. I didn't know he was going to pay it straight from KYC. You 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 made a mistake there because you, you any any invoice. <laughs> There's you no take. personal responsibility, open arms. I did not make. My... <laughs> you know, in terms of price, <laughs> that, that, I mean, you realize that very well, and and you know that's why I brought this example. There is, for example, if you're not. Not have a node at home. There is lightningdecoder.com where you can put any lightning invoice and it just shows what the content is. It's not encrypted. It is just in a format which needs to be decoded and shows you the node ID where you are paying to. And that node, I mean, there is no good uh, solution at the moment to hide that node ID. There could be if you do kind of fake notes with, through private channels with the like kind of uh, HDLC acceptor API, these are not built yet being worked on. But what I would have done, well, I, I'm not saying, you know, I mean, you, you obviously, you know, did, did, did well because you did fulfill the, uh, the um, ask of that friend of yours to pay in Lightning, which is great. You know, it's a great feeling to play with Lightning. <laughs> I don't know how it is with Strike because it's not available in, in Europe yet. I haven't but, used it either, only on the receiving end. I've only been doxxed unintentionally yeah. by Strike. I've never actually used it. Right. So so what you could do is just to take your phone, download the mobile wallet, let it be Breeze or Phoenix. These are non-custodial, so you have the keys, and you use those as the as, as instead of having a pile of uh, you know cash on the table, right? People just throw the the sets in there and then you do what you do with that later on you can withdraw it on chain or you can you can um, send it over to your lightning node later on from that mobile wallet and right. you use it only for that and you know it's gone there will be no 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 more thing to worry about my point is is from a privacy perspective on the receiving side for lightning right now there's a lot to be desired i mean i i Absolutely agree. I've, I've I've talked to you about this in the past on the podcast uh, and on Twitter and Mastodon, whatever. Um, 
if you scroll and, through that presentation, uh, which we had just li linked previously, that is uh, like the third slide, yeah, uh, like and, um, and, and, and stating all this. But so, my, but my my point my point is 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 with, with Lightning as it's currently set up, where you you have this fixed public key, right? Um, and this your node is attached to the public key. I mean, it is it is set up in a way that if you're looking at it from like a regular regulatory compliant exchange point of view, like something like a strike or a bid for next withdrawals or like a bottle pay, like you're talking about, they're getting, they're, they're going to have a database of public keys and they're going to have them attached to KYC. And there's going to be, you know, it, it is set up in a way that the receiver has very poor privacy. And I, I, I've been told in the past when I brought this up, like rotating pub keys, all this shit's going to happen. We're not going to have to deal with this in the future. Okay. I look forward to it. But right yeah. now, as it stands, the receiver, end of story. If you want to talk about, there's all this nuance and stuff the receiver can do. But at the end of the day, the receiver has horrible privacy guarantees. Yep. Right? So, so, so then, when you receive Bitcoin, receive to an on-chain address. And make it clear for everyone that you can actually pay from a Lightning wallet to an on-chain address. Um, and if not, then send them to you know Boost.exchange or whatever other. There are plenty of other services run by you know Anons or other uh, uh, companies and things. Yeah. Um, um, so Anthony, we have you in the comments. You're saying since we're talking privacy, my recommendation is to avoid sending mixed coins to your node. Why? Hit us in the comments. No, about I would why. On, I would only send uh, right? coin, coin join co coins to my <laughs> node. So me and know. Open Arms and Evan are just only we're only sending coin join outputs to our nodes. So I'm curious what your angle is there on that. Right? Like that 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 if, especially if it's a public node. If it's a public node, I mean someone else asked in the comments, I don't have their name. Is it possible for an average user to do a profitable lightning note? And I mean, we have um, Bosworth, uh, Alex Bosworth, who I respect the shit out of. You know, thank you for your service. Um, like bragging about his his uh, revenue that he's bringing in on his routing note. Like, bro, you named the reputation score after yourself. It's the Bos score. <laughs> um, like, of course, you're making money off of it. I think the average user, like this average sovereign Bitcoin node operator um, who is running everything through Tor because he doesn't want to expose his IP address, he's fucked. Like there's no way that he's going to ever have a profitable lightning node. That is fine. Like it's, 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 he's going to run it for ideological reasons. I run my nodes for ideological reasons. Both of you guys run your nodes, I think, for ideological reasons. Like am I, am I, am I misguided here? No, no, no. That's what I was trying to allude to at the beginning of the show. Like, Either you're running like a personal node, really, or you're running a routing node, and that routing node is not going to have the same uh, privacy properties that your your private one does, right? But you're also, you know, have the chance of making a, a profit on that routing. The thing is, what the misconception here, right, is that people think, okay, I can just put up uh, this capital and create these channels, and then sit on my ass for a month, and then come back and see a lot of profit. And if that's what you think is going to happen, like, um, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but that's just not how it works. If you want to be a routing node and make a decent amount of profit, 
you need to a put up a significant amount of capital and b you got to be managing it daily and if you really want to like be cutting and a, c a, it has to be on clearnet on like aws yeah, it's got to be no. clear net. you, no. you might want to you could have the tour option on your node but you can't have a tour only node no. that affects you can routing and the pathfinding you right? can't open oms you your node was offline for a fucking week while they tried <laughs> to figure out the v3 issues you, you, theoretically you can but as the the way the network stands today it's not practical to so look, look at the look at the node which is called yals tour and guess what who is managing that and is it profitable which Yo, node which node? Yeah. yals tour so but, no, no, but it's Tor plus ClearNet. He has a ClearNet. Yeah, it has a ClearNet too. So a anyway, the point no, is no, he doesn't. If you, yeah, it's it's accessible from both. Y'all's is both. It's not Tor only. No, there are two nodes. There are Y'all's ClearNet, and there is a Y'all's Tor node. The main Y'all's node is both ClearNet and Tor. Look, the one I just linked has twenty-six Bitcoin capacity. I'm like, that is not a minor node. And only has what a tiny uh, node. Yeah, exactly. Only has only an address. Um, let me check. Well, he also has the advantage that he's providing a service there too. So oh, this is his. Oh, this is his tour only node. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. okay. But anyway, I, we're talking about the guy who's like he fucking designed. Like he's like a main <laughs> lightning dev. You know, Absolutely. like this is ridiculous. Like no one should be. I have people reach out to me. They're like. Bosworth said that he made like five Bitcoin. Like, why? Like, can I not make money? You know, okay. like it's ridiculous. It's like, I've only lost money. You got to be very active to be making those numbers, and yes. you got to get a lot of capital. You got to see that Boz on his node. He's got he's got a lot of money behind them. So I've lost so much money on my Lightning node. But you're not, you're not. I've lost so much money on my Lightning nodes. You've Look, just sort of just. If you want to make money and want to help the network, really, then put the money into join market and offer it <laughs> as coin join liquidity. You don't make any money on join market either, bro. You can raise the fees from the minimum well below the default. So people will still accept just pressing enter and you will actually make more money than with the same liquidity, putting on a lightning, lightning node with plenty of work done. You know, this is just fact. And that's neither, what neither of the returns, neither of the returns over overcompensate your hot wallet risk that you're taking. Well, you need to. I mean, well, everyone's got their true. own risk tolerance, Matt. I'm just I'm saying, just, like objectively, <laughs> subjectively. Well, you know, but this is the answer to the question: Can you make money on your node? You can make minimal amount of money. You can have two benefits with Lightning. You can pay instantly. Mm -hmm. And with join market, you can uh, gain privacy by being a maker. And which one you want most or more, or you, you can do both. And, you know, make a couple of sets. And indeed, in Lightning, you because you have the force close risk of, you know, force closing a channel is hugely expensive. Uh, and indeed, you need significant size channels like close get to see what is a, what is the uh, uh, average in one ml slash statistics for example uh, it's like 2.8 million so if you go you know 10 times lower than that that you are far below the level where it could be any useful so yes you need you need capacity and if you want to route 
you don't you know two peers are not i mean one peer is not enough two is definitely not but then uh, two is you know practically can work but not enough you can need to have 10 you know 20 30 100 peers so Wait, yes, i don't it is, know about it is that. A lot of money for to be a routing node yes you would you would need more than like 10 peers oh to... well if you need a i mean if your if your argument is that you need a, over 100 peers to be a successful loud routing node like you're fucked if you're tor only like what i, I... I, I I'm running I'm running one of the largest Tor only routing nodes. You know it's a fucking mess, man. It's like it's it's this reliance on Tor is fucking horrible. What? Another part of the equation is that all liquidity is not equal, and you did a really generous thing to help bootstrap the, <laughs> the Lightning Network. It wasn't generous. Parties with the freaks, right? No, I helped the number go up. You did help the number go up, and and we salute you for that. But but it's not the best solution, <laughs> not the best strategy for making returns as a routing node. That's all. I'm saying. Um, exactly. No, I definitely <laughs> fucked it up. You want to do fewer channels. You should do <laughs> fewer, larger channels. Is the play if you want to try and make some money off of this shit. And you want uh -huh. it on a stable hardware, on a good IFSP. But look, on a, we got on, Anthony on a, here. I have a second node. I have a second node that I tried to do it the right way. Okay, and, and this second and 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 sixty one hundred two, and we have Anthony here. He's I'm tour only with ten channels. I only make like one dollar a month. LOL. Well, first He's of all, Anthony, good. you have to He's measure your profit in sats. So you're you're already you're already short Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> I uh, sixty one hundred two asked me, will channel closures cost more than like yes they have so far for me right i i my channel closures but this was my same issue right that evan said is that i just went too big like i had like 350 channels on my node all out to plebs like uh, probably like 60 of the channels were out to like shitty casa notes that i appreciate you <laughs> you know and when the fees went up they all force closed on me and they fucking wrecked me yeah, they like destroyed me so um you need to handpick your peers. And, yeah, you and gotta, they, that's fucked up, right? We, that wasn't what we were sold. Open arms, like we were sold. <laughs> we were sold trustless. I, you know, I understand trust minimized was really what we should have been sold. But still, regardless, like this idea that I got to pick my peers, that I have to know who my peers are, is like a is a new concept. That's a something that was added after the fact that they were like, oh, like why you shouldn't just have random peers. Well, you know, even if you look at the white paper, Matt, our assumptions, Satoshi's assumptions weren't 100% right. <laughs> Sometimes we got to learn some hard lessons along the way right. in, the, in creating these decentralized technologies. The best part of the freaks is we got Suheb in the comments telling us $1 a month is awesome. And then we have <laughs> Anthony, Anthony converted exactly. it over to sats for us. Because, hey, listen, <laughs> guys, listen, this thing's gonna pump forever like i know it will <laughs> that one dollar a month you're getting now eh, that might pay for your kids college down the line so and that was the other thing okay so so we have 21 ism collective saying what fees do you set for routing i remember open arms do you remember this when i when i decided to raise my fees slightly to like one hundredth of a percent or something and you like called me you like shamed me on twitter Oh no! What, what did yeah, you that, set it to? From it. one to four hundred. It's warriors, okay. Oh my god! It was a four hundred x raise. It was less than four percent. What? It was like four percentiles of a percent or something. I think it was yeah zero point four, wasn't it? <laughs> you could look it up. Yeah. And you're like, but, oh, yeah. when someone raises their fees through the roof, you got to just cut them off and raise your fees. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> I, I, I do uh, comment Ellen Biggs tweets as well, and, and do, he's doing something. You know, oh, let's right, talk about him. Oh, yeah, well, he, or them, probably, right? Or NSA. <laughs> is Ellen Big a trustworthy actor? Is it a proper Bitcoiner? I did interact with him a couple of times, and, you know, he is reasonable. He looks like a person who has, like, a, a rather explosive personality, but, uh, you know, logical and seems to want to, you know, do good for the network. I mean, I don't know what it is really is his aim is and i don't really have channels with him either wait all of his nodes are are located in the same data center in virginia uh like a half an hour from langley um which is the cia headquarters for the non-americans or <laughs> anyone who's not watched like a docudrama tracks a little bit better than um I, yeah i i almost feel like it's less suspicious that it's located there because why would they do that uh but at the same time maybe they're just playing 4d chess against us um, but it's like half the network. Ellen Big is like half the network. Yeah, still, we should make him, you know, insignificant. I love and this. 6102 saying that I'm Ellen Big, but most people think I'm 6102. So maybe 6102 is Ellen Big. Okay, now we're talking 5D chess. <laughs> okay. What do we think about Ellen Big? Let's riff on this. No one talks about it. Um, we got to get the network to the size where he's insignificant and then we shouldn't care, you know? Exactly, what? and with, with private channels, we, we might be already there. But the public capacity is still... Yeah, we don't know. That's the thing, it's a black box, really. Well, once again, fuck private capacity. We don't care about that. I, 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 think, it's, I, think, I think that's a bullshit argument. Um, I understand the private capacity argument. I just, I, it's not beneficial. No, no, you're right. Even even if we did have all this capacity on the private that we knew of, we, we can't like take that into consideration. Just, we should just take assume that the capacity there is like one Bitcoin or something like just minuscule. Because we, we got to keep iterating on this thing, and we we got to find ways uh, so that we're not dependent on just that number, that black box value cover saving our asses we, we can't be dependent on that, that that's well, not so like the argument the argument that bosworth makes like for the freaks is that uh, we we talked earlier about a completely private channel network which is I, I as far as i'm concerned is irrelevant to the average user there is a private channel usage that is relevant to the average user which is that if i have a channel with evan it's public node let's say as a, as a explanation Mm -hmm. And and that channel has 16 million sats total possible capacity. Um, I could then have private channels that do greater capacity than that, and they will always fulfill any up to 16 million sat request. So you can have like, as long as you have a channel that's large enough for your minimum payment, you can have a bunch of chat. You can have a shadow private channel that's way larger. Uh, that can fulfill that payment. So you're basically just broadcasting your largest payment capability. Um, it can be opened and closed without you know being advertised right. with your node. And which because, is cool, but yeah. I just think that's way less used than like this like random private channel network that's completely unrelated to us. Yes, but if you if you're a routing node operator, if you want to make make money, for example, who who, is, want, who are these people? If, if it's, it's like we are me, these people. We are the exactly. routing node operators. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. It's like three of us. Yeah. yeah, yeah we're three like three of the 12. Three of the 12 sovereign routing node operators are on this fucking chat right now. Continue. Yes, exactly. But what you want is to, for your security, you want to minimize your exposure. Your, your hot wallet risk and etc or your or uh, attack surface so you would want to minimize the advertised public capacity of your node so you don't want to if you have like sets flying into one direction and you need more liquidity in that direction then you don't want to just open another public channel you want to open another private channel so you're not advertising that your capacity is suddenly higher but you will be able to continue to route and when that depletes you will open another uh, uh private channel to that direction and close the old one because it has depleted and you know and you close in a way that the sets are on chain ending up in your for, let's say your joint market maker wallet and it, it just keeps uh, you know coin joined away or you can just use your cold storage as well. You don't even need to touch the on-chain wallet, and you don't, you won't be building up this problem with the, um, you know, peeling chains and whatever merging uh, changes from private channels to public ones and things like that. So I, I'm just thinking that to, to minimize the advertised public capacity to is essential to be safe as possible, right? So, you know, these nodes, which are efficient routing nodes, might have, you know, multiples of shadow capacity, but, you know, you and me will never know. Well, in current, in the current state, the the safest method is 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 you don't run a routing node. I mean, you're you're changing your lightning node every two months or something. You're just constantly closing out your node and and moving to a. I mean, and on-chain fees aren't that high, so whatever. For Close now, out your node, coin join, move to a new node, new pub key. Well, if you dox, if, if you have doxed your pub key, then that's the case. Yes, your but, pub key is doxed every fucking payment. That's my point. But if you're just running a routing node, you're not necessarily using it for payments. Oh, so you're never receiving payments from it. Yeah, you might not. So you have your payment node as a separate node that's attached to your routing node as like an auxiliary node. routing node, you are not interested in receiving payments because what you are selling is the incoming liquidity, is, is the incoming capacity. So the th that's what you can lose. So someone pays through you. So you, so you need to have roughly like 50-50% of your overall balance Um to be your overall capacity need to be uh, on the distant uh, side and on the local side. So you don't want to have you don't want to receive payments because that that would reduce your ability to route payments. I just fucking love that he called it the boss score. <laughs> hey, listen, but, you know what it stands for? He made up something. It's um, balance of Satoshis, but it really oh yes. stands for Bosworth. Like, who do you think we are? Like, we know, we know it stands for your name. It, it'd be like if Odell, like, I just, I don't know, of the, I, I can't think of it on the spot, but if I tried to come up with some fucking bullshit. I'll uh, think of it tomorrow. You'll see. Yeah, it. someone figure out Odell, but, but, uh, but the boss score is not is not used for m many things. You know, it's just a public score which you can build on, and it's, well, it's used for loop. For loop, 
power. Yeah, lube liquidity. Mm, Boss score sure. isn't as bad as Odell's score for privacy. <laughs> is a very good take. I appreciate you guys. This yeah, is... we know we know Suheb. We know it's called balance of Satoshi. I appreciate Suheb being here. Um, one of my boys. Loop is a submarine swap service. What what would it do? It yeah, uh, the Odell score is horrible for privacy. Don't 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 judge yourself. Loop loop bases your um bases your uh, uh, like whether oh, so or not someone goes with you based off your boss score. Pool. What? Pool, not loop. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, pool. Easy um, to mix up. Apologies. Yes, apologies, there, guys. Yes, we're, we're yes. two and a half hours in here. I mean, there, yes, there, there is there is a, there is a respect, but for example, the autopilot or yeah, the routing is not based on that. There is LND has another scoring system, which is open source, obviously, which is like uh, you know based on betweenness and uh, and fees uh, to uh, you know how to construct the payment routes and things. And I mean, you know, yes, I, I mean, I don't agree. I mean, I would prefer to have like an open source scoring system as well, but also the argument is if it would be fully open source that it would be easily gameable so i mean you know pool is yeah, again I mean, but that's a, why bitcoin exists right like this is a ridiculous bullshit argument right but pool is a centralized service and you don't need to use it so right i mean but the idea is right yeah i mean i mean if 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 we were just going to stand with this idea that like you cannot create a game a non-gameable verifiable network then we wouldn't have bitcoin <laughs> right yeah yeah well yeah i mean you know, oh he figured it out 61 to figured it out odell one dude's expensive lightning lessons <laughs> dukes is pretty good too what was dukes obviously don't explain low levels <laughs> <laughs> yo freaks i love you guys I appreciate you guys. I love interacting with you live. I mean, I just just for the freaks that are here live and and to the podcasters that are here, just I just want to let you know we have like 70 freaks here. We have like 80 freaks here paying attention. We're like in a small, close-knit, like little fuck around group, uh, just watching the price of Bitcoin on our, our favorite exchange and then also Coinbase. Um, and uh we're just having fun with it. So I I appreciate you guys going with us. Look, I mean, I know the price is bumping right now, but that spread is really tiny right now. That's like what less than a yeah. percent. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'm if the freaks aren't going to pump this shit to fifty k on Bisc, like are they really <laughs> freaks? Like last week, that's what we had. So I mean, I, I just wonder, like with the lack of liquidity there, like if you're if you're if you're not pumping that price, are you really a freak? Yeah, freaks. Um, think it. It's economically like smart for you guys to be purchasing on BISC. If the, the price spread is uh, as a percentage, a smaller percent than what it would cost to coin join, then, you know, buying on BISC is a great option. Let's so, pump those numbers up, freaks. Come on, non-KYC sats. Let's do it. So Anthony mentioned what I was talking about, which is 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 on pool, enlightening pool. If you're If you're not top of the boss list, if you're not top of, of the no, balance so of Satoshi's just, list, you cannot you cannot sell your liquidity in the pool. You have to be a verified seller. Um, and he named that after himself, and then pretended it was balance of Satoshi's. Right? I mean, it's 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 not Alex making the pool uh, code pretty much, you know. So it is just something they used 
to put the nodes into two tiers. There is tier zero and tier one. And to have some kind of guarantee to uh, be able to have a useful channel, by default, you are buying channels from tier one, which is the, you know, all the nodes who have ever made to the top 300 of the roughly of the boss score, but it's, it's not really uh, so they can arbitrarily put a node to tier one if they want, because that's a database which is managed by Lighting Labs and, the, and, their, and their pool server. So, I mean, that, that, that's how it is used, but it is not very significant. And, and there is a comment, again, Anthony says that none of his, his, his Tor only nodes didn't make it to, to the boss score. Well, I don't even know how to run a, a node on ClearNet. All my nodes are on uh, on tour only, and they have all made it to the bus score, bus list, just for, you know, maybe I'm on the same Telegram channel as, uh, as Alexis, right? Well, he's calling you out. You're on the white list. <laughs> exactly, but he doesn't know my nose, though. He's, so, he's calling you out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I appreciate Anthony. He works for Bottle Pay. Uh, no, no, I agree. I, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a good point. Uh, but I don't think it's a big issue, and I hope that they will get rid of it, uh, even to be used in pool, or or just you know someone should make up a better scoring system. The Odell, come on, let's get it out tomorrow. Yeah, we got to get the Odell. The uh... <laughs> listen, we're gonna watch it, and then I'm gonna game the fuck out of it. Matt. What was what was my favorite acronym of it? I, I can't even. I, the scrolling on this shit fucking sucks. It doesn't work. Does it? Um, yeah, I don't know. It was good. Everyone heard it. Um, yeah. So one dude's expensive lightning lessons. Yeah, there it goes. Uh, that's go. fucking fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll work on it. I, I don't think it'll ever. Honestly, I don't. I don't think it'll ever be profit profitable. I'm fine with it. I do like someone was like Citadel Dispatch E zero point zero point six boss score. Like that's what I should say. Like. <laughs> um, just like the Sea Lightning release names, they always have a funny release name. Shout uh, out! I, I just want to say, I want to say that uh, what I'm going for with Citadel Dispatch is both the the hangout that the average freak might have fun with, but also the hangout where we have our legend Suheb tell us that he was not aware of the boss score requirement for pool mid episode, which is fantastic, <laughs> right? So, so we're we're helping. Uh, Hey, Freak, we're all learning here, okay? We're all yeah. learning here. So That's because he, he, yeah, he didn't integrate pool into RTL yet. Yeah, he's he's a failure. And uh, we appreciate you, but you have to improve. Um, so we have one last question in the 6102 question hour, um, which I is pretty important. Uh, are there any privacy considerations after closing a channel? Yes, there, there's a huge consideration as it stands now. You're we we know when a on-chain transaction is a channel closed, and that's why we got to get Schnorr and Taproot out the door. Yeah, close it to your external wallet. Use the flag delivery address, delivery ADDR, and put your cold storage at, or you know Whirlpool or Join Market or whatever address there, and close it to it, and then it will be out. Out and won't be merged again with the uh, next channel opening, and then just have this rolling kind of peeling chain uh, thing appearing. 
and if you can do a cooperative close because that is less obvious we can because you can only tell that it is a lightning close uh, it's like you know it, you cannot tell it certainly but you can infer it because it has like a, a, a higher than zero uh, sequence number and two outputs but that's it uh, you cannot otherwise tell that it is, uh, uh, and also one uh, one input as from that article. Um, so yeah, it is it is likely, but not not obvious. If it's a cooperative close, also it's also it it is uh, cheaper. If you do a force close, it will be quite obvious from the time lock that it it was a force close. So uh, avoid that if you can. If your peer is online, it will be a cooperative. If your peer is offline, or if or if it's force closing because of stuck HDLC or other bug, then it will be obvious. Yeah. Um, I mean, the simple answer is yes. Like you just doxed yourself publicly. Like you're, you're, you're treat every fucking lightning close as the most toxic fucking thing ever. And proceed but it's, accordingly. it's only applicable to a public I mean, you know, or to a private channel. Because well, I mean, it might get already... public in the future. It might get public in the future. So you should just assume that any lightning close is the most toxic fucking thing ever. But it's, if it's a public channel, it's already out in the open. So UTXO is, is be never, be never private because your channel point, which is the actual channel, is being advertised at the gossip network of the lightning network. Okay. So if you have a public channel, then what I said is absolutely correct, right? That is the most toxic thing ever. And that's the majority of channels on Lightning probably for the average person. And then if you have a private channel, you should probably also proceed accordingly because whoever you had the private channel with knows that shit, right? Um, so yes, so use coin control as much as you can and you know mix it or coin join it, sorry. Well, you should coin join in and out, right? I mean, that's I, I think it's 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 yeah. not a it's not a it's untenable position. Like you coin join in, you coin join out, and that that that's that's how it is. Because even if you have a private channel, if I have a private channel with open arms, he's my boy, but I don't even know his real name. I don't know his government name. Like I know him as open arms. He could be a fucking. He could be James Bond. You know, oh. he could be 007. I don't yeah. know that shit. So if I close a channel with him, he knows that channel close transaction, right? And he can he can follow me on chain for any transaction from that point. Same as if if he sent me an on-chain transaction. So so you need to treat that transaction as the most toxic fucking thing ever, right? And you you it should go into CoinJoin beforehand, it should go into CoinJoin afterwards, no matter what, in my opinion. Or or it could be swapped. It could be swapped. Yeah, there's nuance, you know. Fucking yeah. deal with it though. Like, <laughs> like treat it as fucking toxic. It's toxic. Bitcoin is not private. It is, but only if you use it that way. <laughs> not by default. It's so far from that. Yeah. We'll get there. So, and so when will coin join be in and out automated? That is why I'm opening my channels from my join market wallet, and that is why I'm closing into it because then it is bloody automated. Hell yeah! No, but we need Zeus to do it for us. Like Zeus should just—I don't know who the dev is, like the main maintainer for Zeus, but I feel like Zeus should just—it should just be like I—I I deposit funds. It should just automatically coin join, and then it should be like these funds are ready uh, for for opening channels with. And then when I close the channel, it should just automatically go into CoinJoin and it should be like, these funds are ready to remove. 
Hell yeah. I mean, that that's the that's the dream. Let's make it happen. Uh, I think we're going to be making some steps in that direction. There we huh? go. Game changer. Um, that's what I want to see. Do you want to talk about anything Zeus related? I mean, someone mentioned something in here about watchtowers. Yeah, um, sure. Let's let's riff on a couple things. Um, so someone asked about coin control in Zeus. Uh, so coin control for both doing your on-chain sends and for your uh, channel opens. Uh, it's currently supported right now only with Sea Lightning Rest, which is a wrapper for Sea Lightning that Suheb from RTL made. It's awesome. Uh, the support for LND is going to be coming soon, uh, but their API is a little wonky right now. Uh, it could stand to be improved. I'm going to bring that up to them this week, and hopefully we can get that in soon because uh, coin control is a big part of the equation for staying private on LND. Um, but Zeus, we, we made a lot of uh, great progress past couple of months. We sort of wrapped it up this week in that uh, we've got Tor running natively in the app, both on Android, which you previously had to do with the Orbot app separately, which was a big pain in the ass. And now also on iOS, which wasn't really possible at all. You'd have to do some VPN action to access your, mo your node remotely. So we're really happy about that. The guys at Cypher Apps coded that up and we paid out their bounty. Um, so shout out to everyone who contributed to that bounty. Matt helped uh, focus up a few Let's fucking go. Yeah, let's fucking go, guys. So uh, now we got this great. And they say you can't throw money at problems. Bullshit. We fucking did it. React Native Tour. So we're hoping that our buddies over at Blue Wallet and at Hexa Wallet, which also use React Native, We'll be using this library too. So we're making Bitcoin just a little bit more private in our own way. So again, sh shouts to everyone that helped out with that. Capitalist Dog and Mr. Cool B, uh, Ben Prentice, you guys uh, really helped get that over the line. And shouts out again to Cypher Apps. Uh, but yeah, Z Zeus, uh, we're going to just be trying to make the experience better all in all. We're talking with the Bitcoin design group on helping us uh, clean up the user interface. We're also like really focused on privacy and, and that's really important as you guys could tell with the tour release. We're gonna add coin control to LND real soon. And uh, this next release with tour, before we get out the door, I'm trying to finish up a new feature where you can pick uh, your first hop and your last hop when paying a lightning uh, invoice. So uh, hoping to have that out with the new release of version 0.5. Ooh, I like that idea. Yeah, I, th I think that's going to really go a long way because, um, you know. So if you could pick your first hop, then there maybe is some hope for a sovereign uh, lightning node operator to make a profit, right? Because they make a profit off of being that Tor only node that you go through. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that could go a long way. And uh uh, I, uh, it's right in the LND API. It's all coded up. Uh, I'm hoping to test it in the in the next uh, week or so and get it out the door. So yeah, we're we're just making some improvements there. Um, that that would be really good. As you guys know, uh, you know we support all the big Lightning implementations right now. If you got your own node that you're running, which is the best way to run Lightning, you can connect on LND. See Lightning through Suheb. Sea uh, Lightning Rest and also through Spark. And uh, most recently, we got Eclair support. 
Uh, if you don't have a node, you can right now connect through um, LND Hub, which is what Blue Wallet's running off of. But um, we're also going to be looking at Neutrino as Neutrino support's going to improve on LND. And uh, I guess we could announce it now. I'm now joining uh, Hexa Wallet as an advisor. Uh, Matt helped recruit me. And we're going to try to bring Lightning to that wallet too. Uh, hopefully Disclosure. Disclosure, yes. <laughs> we're both advisors over there. But yeah, Hex is like a great wallet, especially for newbies. It really tackles a lot of pain points on getting started with Bitcoin. And hopefully we can help carry that great on-chain experience over to Lightning. Full so, disclosure, my hands are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, mascot is thumbs in a lot of pies right I'm just now. trying to... I'm just trying to fuck around and make things work until I disappear. Yeah, for but sure. I, I appreciate you joining us over at Hexa. I think they're doing good work over there. Yeah, man, it's um, a good project, and I'm excited to. Be I there. also, I also appreciate Suheb coming in here. Uh, two hours and fifty minutes in, you can pick the first hop in payments via RTL. I mean, I like honestly, like, are you really a freak if you're not shilling your your product? Um, oh, yeah, where's the last two, hop? Almost three hours in. Readily, because I, when I'm not managing my node with Zeus, I am using RTL. It, it's RTL is fucking fantastic. I mean, it's I use it all all day, every day. It's fantastic. I, I, it, it's it's my number one way. It's my number one way to interact with my Lightning nodes, and then my number two way like is use it on your umbrella. Is Zeus what? Zeus, man. Zeus is my number two way. Like Zeus is how I make payments. Cause like, to be honest, Suheb, I'm sorry. RTL like really sucks for payments. And then I use RTL to manage my channels. It's all right. Suheb, yeah. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll split the, when, when you, when you do a payment through RTL, it's like, you're just, it's like the roulette wheel. You just like put it in you're just like, Oh, is this going to work this time? Like, I don't even, this is, the, is this a future of, of, of money? I'm no, no. Like, I'm, I'm just gonna put this in and just hope that it refreshes and it works. <laughs> no, but but RTL's got some great um, advantages in that you could use the loop service and uh, yeah. hopefully pull soon. It's the node operators fucking UI and it's fantastic. It does yeah. a good job. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, Watchtowers, you didn't mention Watchtowers. Like, I'm trying to end this, guys. I, I appreciate you both being here for <laughs> yeah, uh, no worries. Listen, two hours and 50 minutes. You guys are, are my boys. This is the longest Citadel Dispatch conversation we've ever had. Uh, <laughs> cheers to the freaks who have chilled with us live during this whole fucking thing. You guys are you the know, real like, all 69 of you. That nice. fucking tells them. Uh, you know, Feel free to leave and come back later if you want. Watchtowers. Watchtowers. You know, are they uh, ever going to happen? No, they exist right now. So um, I've used Eye of Satoshi in the past. I, I think they're updating some stuff. I haven't used as much recently. Mess around with some of the preliminary stuff on LND, and it works pretty good. So yeah, Watchtowers exist right now. Uh, I haven't personally put out my justice transaction yet, but uh, I'm going to be doing some more testing with Watchtowers. I just really haven't had a real use case to do it. But I'm working on some new projects that are going to require it. So I'll, I'll be sure to keep all you freaks updated on that. But yeah, watchtowers are out in the wild. They work. So, watch, yeah, the point of watchtowers is is to de deter the uh, cheaters, basically. So you don't need to know. The, the fact that watchtowers are available for all the LND nodes 
and also via uh, the eye of the Satoshi for other nodes as well. Um, you are risking much more if you are trying to uh, close a channel with a previous state for an offline peer of yours. Because you don't know if there is a watchtower is listening that you get the justice, justice transaction and you lose the whole uh, channel, or the, or the whole content of the channel. If not, you might have you know the time for a force close, like two weeks, to wait and hope that your your peer doesn't come online and broadcast the justice transaction himself. So I think it's great to have deterrence, but I mean, you know, it won't be applied more until it's not incentivized. So you cannot like subscribe to a, to a watchtower. Yeah, no, no one's using watchtowers, and uh, I do. Uh, well, are you <laughs> using a watchtower, open arms? Of course. Oh yeah, I mean, I pretend I'm using. I'm also using one. You know, oh, oh, uh, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually show. using one. If you're one of the few freaks that have made it three hours in, I'm not using a watchtower. No one has fucked me yet. <laughs> okay. I pretend, I pretend on RHR that I'm using a watchtower because I don't want people to try and fuck me. Um, but like, let's be honest here. No one, like very few people are using watchtowers, especially the tour only people. <laughs> oh, the tour, why, why yeah. Anthony's like, oh yeah, I'm using one now. Yeah. Bullshit, bro. I don't believe you. So okay, I, I, I just guys, guys but with the with all the exchanges coming on, the, there's going to be more demand in the infrastructure for the watchtower. So hopefully, uh, we see more development on them. I think it's going to happen. So there is an issue in my in my repo, <laughs> lightning lightning management repo, where there are like altruistic watchtowers being listed, and those you can add, add yourself and and if you use them, just add your watchtower in as well, and then you know we can cover each other. And what I do, if you if you have multiple nodes, just set them up to watch each other, especially if they are in two different you're gonna, physical you're locations. Watch me, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Will you watch me open arms if I give it to you? Oh yeah, of course. I you, you don't need to give me anything. You know, you, you can connect to my watchtower. Okay. It's listed in that issue. Okay. Well, I put it in the comments. Uh, if you're watching this live, you can see it in the comments. If you're not watching live, please don't attack me. Uh, I have a watchtower. I, I, I just pretended I didn't. Yeah, the um, problem is that I, I'm not sure if I don't know, <laughs> even if you can uh, correct me on it, that it is. So it needs to know about all the previous states to be efficient, right? Oh, I but like this. You, I like this. If you connect, sorry. Yeah. Anthony made a good point. Like me lying about not having a watchtower is profitable to me because if you try and attack me, I'm going to take all your fucking sats. <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> you get that justice. Come on. So if, if the watchtower doesn't know your previous states, then when you connect new to watchtower with an already running node for you know months and you know thousands of states, then would it communicate to the old states to the watchtower or only the ones going forward? That's a question to even even if you if you know the answer, but might not. Sorry, I got distracted by a freak on a side channel. Can you repeat that? <laughs> no, I'm ju I'm just wondering if you are, if you are connecting to a watchtower with an old node, will will it communicate all the previous states or only the ones going forward? That's a good question. I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, well, as that from the NND does, I guess. Um, yeah, I think it depends on the implementation. I think. Uh... For example, I have Satoshi probably 
uh, behaves differently than the LND one. Yeah. I mean, I think we're just going to blindly just hope that people just assume you have watchtowers and like maybe watchtowers happen. Yeah, let's we'll just all lie about having watchtowers. <laughs> I mean, the threat of a watchtower, like you only need like a 10% possibility that a watchtower exists and you don't do it because you lose the whole channel, right? Yes. Um, sea Lightning has been discussing not losing the whole channel, which I think is a bad idea, right? Like I think uh, I, I, I like this overbearing punishment. Like no, the punishment should be insane. The incentive really fucking dick, and yeah, and, and, and it, it incentivizes people to just not even take the fucking risk. Yeah, that yeah. comes with that comes with L two. So if it had L two, which would need you know more softworks implemented in Bitcoin in Bitcoin base layer, you would uh, not need to uh, store the previous states. So that is a huge benefit of not be, not needing to store the previous states. But it also comes with the trade-off that there would be no justice transaction, only the lost transaction being uh, uh, broadcasted if, if the other party would try to cheat. So, so yeah, that's kind of a different technology. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Anthony called me out. Like, I did admit on RHR that I wasn't using your watchtower like a month ago. And then a couple months ago, and then I pretended after that that I was using Watchtower because it was risky. Um, but I still haven't lost any money, so you know. I'll, I'll be a Watchtower for you, Matt. Don't worry. I'll, I'll look at it. I, I'm I'm messing with some Watchtower attack. I, I actually I actually lost all my Bitcoin because of a Watchtower attack. I'm just trying to build up again from zero, and uh, one one day hopefully I will be a whole coiner again. Um, I appreciate both you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been three fucking hours. Uh, this is the longest Citadel Dispatch live. Yeah, dispatches were supposed to be one hour when you... Had yeah, well, that was never going to happen, Evan, and we agreed. Um, I, I I expect... I, I One thing that's different on this show than other shows is that there's going to be a lot of return guests, and Evan is going to be a massive return guest. Open Arms is going to be a massive return guest. I, I, I love both of you guys. Um, you, you people are, are why I Bitcoin. I enjoy fucking shooting the shit with you guys, and that's what this show is about. So, like, let's just have some fun with it. Fuck um, yeah. Be better Bitcoiners. Um, I think an idea that is kind of cool, um, and I, I think is a cool concept to end the show with uh, going forward, and at least until the statists realize I'm doing it, um, is I, I'm curious from both of your perspectives, uh, how would you kill Bitcoin? And we, we can start with open arms. Yeah, I would uh, incentivize people to to put money on exchanges by making the environment very friendly and then suddenly just cut it off. Like, um, um, take it away from them. Okay. So how would you incentivize uh, exchanges? Like, well, how are you doing that? Like, uh, I would pay interest, would make it very friendly. I would stop all KYC like, bullshit. Like, maybe like 6% interest or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. For example, that's a good idea. Rehypothecate re as well. Like, like, kind of like website like BlockFi.com or something like you'd offer. Yeah, cheap, cheap, cheap credit. Cheap credit if you deposit Bitcoin on a, on a government exchange. Make it very friendly, you know, minimal KYC very smooth um and make give no reason for people to 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 withdraw 
other than their you know uh, principles and then yeah just turn on it and uh, confiscate well i think that's an interesting thing you mentioned there uh low kyc like on the bitcoin deposit point you can make it no kyc and then when they want to withdraw then you put the kyc right but you shouldn't do it because you know you should they shouldn't think that it will be a problem because but then I'm they saying put the user, on. the user, like you just give them like no KYC when they deposit the Bitcoin. And then when they want to withdraw the Bitcoin and actually take money into their own hands, that's when you give them the KYC. You like you fucking really dig it in. Yeah, and then and, and make them make them pay uh taxes on the unrealized income. <laughs> no, 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 that would work the other way. So so you would you would want to appear very, very friendly and you know, like you know, this is the most uh natural thing of the word how, how it works everyone uses bitcoin and then you know just a next jurisdiction comes for example in the us or whatever and just turn the corner that's why i mean that's why actually some attacks are useful shouldn't destroy but everything which doesn't kill it makes it stronger right Yeah, I mean, I, uh, that attack's happening right now, so cheers. Um, Evan, you got something for us? Yeah, I, I would say trying to co-opt the protocol with a hard fork and trying to steer in the direction, something like we'd see with Bitcoin Cash or BSV, but, you know, can still happen. you're a bunch of fucking idiots, so that's not what's happening. Um, I would say probably try to pump something like Ethereum, but that would require getting it to actually fucking work. <laughs> And we also got a bailout in that uh, Putin did a deal with Vitalik. So I don't really see the the West uh, putting uh, their currencies on Ethereum. So we got we got really helped out there as well. Um, th guys, this thing is going to be is near unstoppable. Let's fucking get Schnorr and Taproot merged in and we're going to win so hard. You're going to be sick of fucking winning. Thank you, freaks. Um so he didn't answer that question. So I just got to keep that in mind if I ask that question in the future. Uh, I liked Vitalik as a as a slur. <laughs> I don't know. Like his name is Vitalik. Uh, like I don't like him as much as the next guy, but you pronounce his name incorrectly. Um, I appreciate both you guys. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, you guys contribute so much to the Bitcoin space, and I appreciate the fuck out of it because I think ultimately. Um, if we want a better future, what we need is free open source software. We need open hardware alongside that shit. Uh, we need to be able to prove and verify everything we fucking run. Um, I need people to stand up. We need to stand up together. Uh, ultimately, we can stand up by ourselves, but we need people to stand up together. I have Open Oms and Evan Kalutis here. That's at Open Oms, Open OMS on Correct. Twitter, and at Evan Kaludis, K-A-L-O-U-D-I-S on Twitter. Follow them. Enjoy it. Just have a, let's have a fucking good time. Um, I appreciate all you freaks. Thank you for joining us for three fucking hours. If you're still here on the live show, you guys are the fucking you just you guys are fucking awesome. I look forward to fucking chilling with you every fucking week, every fucking Bitcoin Tuesday for the rest of this fucking year. I look forward to having open arms and Evan back here. Um on this fucking show because uh, this show is just about enjoying the time with the boys. So cheers to all you freaks. Stay humble and stack sats.
Yeah, thank you so much. Peace, guys. Love y'all. Enjoy the week and stay humble. Stack sets.